Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. The sports animals are back on uh, the Bobby Curran show here on ESPN Honolulu. It's Chris Hart and Gary Dickman on this day. We've been waiting for it, and here it is. International Kissing Day. Happy International Kissing Day. Pucker up, everybody. I do have kissing fun facts, Gary. A, a couple of uh, in Thailand hold the world record for the longest kiss. 58 hours, 35 minutes, and 58 seconds. Congratulations. That poses a lot of questions, though. What does it? Well, uh, how, do, how, and, uh, how and when do they go to the bathroom is one. That's the first one I think of. Do you eat? <laughs> do you sleep? Or others? Can you go an hour without going to the bathroom? Sometimes. Oh, wait, 58 hours. Sorry. Yeah, 58 hours, yeah. Right. All right. Now, in, in, just in, in case you're traveling to Michigan, aren't we going to the big house, UH football? Yes, we are. If you're traveling, if you're traveling to Michigan or Connecticut, it is illegal to kiss a woman in public on Sundays. And in Wisconsin, if you're on a train, no kissing allowed on trains in Wisconsin. Just want to help everybody out in case they're doing some traveling. This Buses time. are okay, not trains. Yeah. Mm-mm. Trains? <laughs> no way. All right. Uh, happy birthday to Sylvester Stallone, who's 76, and George W. Bush, also 76 today. And happy birthday to you if you're celebrating your birthday today. One of the top stories today, uh, rookie Chet Holmgren. I, I don't remember what uh, team selected him. Oklahoma City Thunder Chet Holmgren dazzled in his debut in the summer league for the NBA. What was his stats? 14, let's see, he had, what were his stats? Do you have them in front of you? Here 23 points, uh, seven, I think it was seven block shots and six rebounds or vice versa. He had seven, let's see, he had seven rebounds, four assists, six block shots in 24 minutes. 23 pointers. Set a rookie, uh, set a record, summer league record on block shots. Six in a game. Unbelievable. Uh, I'm not sold on that at all. In fact, there was an assistant coach for the NBA sitting courtside who said, and I quote, I'm not sold on him being a star. He's so thin in hips and legs that he will, that he makes Poku look like he has thick legs. I don't think he'll ever fill out. He makes what? Poku. One of those uh, kids' characters. I forget. One of the ones you like, I thought. Poku? That's what it says, yes. Tanner, can you look up Poku, please, back in the Paxa Studios? Poku. I'm interested in who Poku is. Uh, also, University of Hawaii uh, football getting ready, of course, for um, fall practice coming up. And uh, we do not have a quarterback yet. 
We don't have a depth chart. I, I did see a, a partial depth chart right now. It's penciled in as Braden Shager, but I think a lot of fans are curious on who that quarterback would be in a few other positions as well. But you would imagine he's the leading candidate. Yeah. All right. It's uh, coming up uh, on the show today. Uh, in fact, in about 15 minutes, we're going to get into USC football from uh, Ryan Cartgee from the L.A. Times. Yeah, talking about USC's big move to uh, the Big Ten, see what his reaction was. And uh, what is next for the Pac-12, too? I think that's something we'll cover today throughout the uh, morning uh, about all these rumors out there. Will they merge? Will they fall apart and no longer exist? Uh, there's so much out there with the U.S., not only USC and UCLA moving, but other schools and incredible from where they were a week ago that this conference might be no longer in the near future. All right. Uh, I uh, want to continue with some UH football. It's right now 51 days uh, until the season opener. Camp will open up in about three weeks on the 27th. And I was uh, looking up some of the depth charts if they were out there. And there is one out there, and it's not totally complete. It looks like maybe the unit that brings back the most is the offensive line. Even though we thought they were going to lose a lot, you still have Ill Manning there, left tackle. Micah Vanterpool, left guard. Maurice Ta'ala right now penciled in at the center. Solo Vipulu there. And another uh, right tackle, Austin Hopp. I remember the name when he first got announced. He's from Western Illinois. He started in 2019, sat out 2020 because of COVID. Last year for Western Illinois, he played every game, but it doesn't list him as a starter at all. But he is 6'6", 315. I think he's got some size there, so I'm hoping he'll be a new player that we're going to become fond of on the offensive line. But again, with those other guys that I mentioned, they've all started a lot, if not throughout their career. I I think that's one of the strengths of this team right now is the uh, offensive line. Also, some of the receivers coming back. Uh, Zion Bowens will be back. Jonah Pinoke is back. Uh, Koali Nishigawa is back. We've got some real talent there. I do wonder about the quarterback position. Even though Shager started, we know it's not all his because you got Cam Hooper coming in there. Uh, we saw him for the t- uh, tight uh, the transfer Hooper uh, Cooper, excuse me, from uh, Washington State. And Jay Farrell looked pretty good in the spring game mm. as well. I don't know, Cooper. Cooper didn't look very good in the spring game at all. You didn't think so? I thought he looked no. okay. No, I did. I, I I remember us. I don't, you know, remember everything about the game. For me, it was so long ago. But I remember commenting and uh, talking with the Videris and going, "Boy, that uh, they thought they'd get more from Cam and Cooper." So, I, you know, I don't know what he has to do to get better. Maybe it was just an off day or whatever. But uh, you know, when we talked about a Washington State transfer at quarterback, we were pretty excited. But he got outshined by Jake Farrell and Braden Shager in that spring game. Yeah, I thought Farrell looked really good. So I don't, I don't know if, Hawaii, if UH will release a depth chart before practice starts on July 27th, but I would no, imagine why would soon they? after. Why would they? Well, I mean, what, what does it matter if you do it then and change it two weeks later? I mean, most teams will have a depth chart at, right at the beginning of camp, I think. Mm, I don't know. I don't, you know, it's, uh, you know, whatever. I mean, it doesn't mean anything because it's not your depth chart coming out of the camp. But, you know, Hawaii is not, Hawaii is really going to fly under the radar this year. I mean, last year, Hawaii goes six and seven. And, I mean, wins against Portland State, against New Mexico State twice. Uh, you beat Colorado State and Wyoming at the end of the year, and uh, they did beat Fresno State by three. 
you know, you had a couple of good wins, but, I mean, your wins are against New Mexico State twice and Portland State. Yeah. And you were 6-7, and seven, and luckily you got into a bowl game. It didn't happen because of COVID. But um, you're not coming off a great year. No, I mean, the record, not that it's deceiving, but when you look at the teams they beat, yeah, it's not as encouraging as a 500 record or right below it normally. It is deceiving. It is deceiving because you played New Mexico State yeah. twice. Right. And, you know, it, it's basically you paid three FCS schools. You have three FCS victories. So when you have that and you have three projected returning start, you have three returning starters on offense, two returning starters on defense, <laughs> and you got your kicker and punter back. It's, uh, it's, it, it's, Hawaii is not expected to do much. In Lindy's magazine, and again, they get basically these guys get information from someone here in Hawaii, and they, the newspaper they send them information and, and that kind of stuff. But I mean, they're, they're ranked 121st. Tanner was telling me Phil Steele has Hawaii ranked at 127th. UNLV is ranked 115th. So this is a um, you know what? Hey, the Brotherhood. Let's go to Brotherhood. But you know what? Let's remember to be patient. This right. is a total rebuilding job that uh, um, Timmy Chang is, is, and his staff have in front of them. I mean, there was so much turmoil last year, more so on the offense, play calling, and I don't want to say his name, but Bo Graham. Uh, that is gone. But I think also when people or magazines are ranking Hawaii, I, I you know me, I don't put anything into that. It might mean no. a little something. But also with no. the new coaching staff, I think it's understandable as well that you're going to be ranked a little lower, and you lose starters like Darius Muasau, Jonah Laulu, players like that. Uh, some of the other, Corey Bethley, some of the other guys, the, the, bet, the best defensive players are amongst the best defensive players transferred out. So I can understand you put that all together. You're going to rank them low. You're going to predict yeah. them low. But that's yeah. happened before. And, again, I, I think, I, I'm going in with it. And I've had so many people just like you, I'm sure, getting asked, how do you think Hawaii football is going to be? How's football going to be? Nobody really knows. It's just so many unknowns with a new coaching staff. I think that's the first thing. Uh, you know, Timmy, without being a head coach before, I think he'll do okay in time. I don't know about this year. Will they go to a bowl game? I don't know. Uh, I, I, I know they'll have the effort. It seems like they have the backing of the community now. Hopefully there won't be any problems, inner, inner problems like there were last year. But it's going to take time. But there are a number of returning players that it's not like this team is starting from scratch either. Yeah, I, I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting more. We're starting from scratch. Really? Then, then. Well, I'm just looking at returning starters. There's some guys coming back with, who have, who have started or who have playing time, but when you look at a six and seven team that beat three FCS type victories, and those guys are gone, and it's like, oh, look, oh no, Corey Bethley's gone. Oh, Calvin Turner's gone. Well, how much good did they do when they were here? That sounds harsh, I know. Yeah. But at the same time, those were our best guys. And we got our butts kicked at UCLA and Oregon State. We lost to San Jose State. Lost pretty badly to Nevada. Hey, we lost to Utah State by almost three touchdowns. You know, that's what those guys brought us. Without them, what do we got? Now, this is football, and you don't play it on paper. I get that. So when you look at the, uh, the schedule and who they've got coming in, you've got Wyndon Ho'ohuli, linebacker, four-star guy, uh, transferring back uh, to Hawaii. Well, not back. He wasn't here before. But, uh, you know, transferring back home 
from Nebraska. Didn't work out for him there. Hopefully it works out for him over here. And they've they've desperately tried to get to a, uh, you know, get to the transfer portal to get help on defense because, what, besides Blessman Ta'ala and Panay Pavihi, everybody's gone on defense. They're all gone. Yeah, Hugh Nelson is back. Oh, yeah. Hugh Nelson. You know, I just – so that's what I'm getting at is you've got – Hawaii has all, never had – I don't want to say never. Uh, Hawaii hasn't, hasn't had in decades, decades, a dominant defense, a great defensive line. Well, Blessman Ta'ala, you know, he can plug up the middle, I guess. Justice Tavai, he left, right? Yes, he went to San Diego State. Okay. Right, so we lost we lost some of these uh, some of our best players, either to transfer or to graduation, and that's really really when you think about it. Those guys that left and ended up at Oklahoma and UCLA and all these places, great for them. But as Bobby Curran says, we got some good players, we didn't have enough of them, and now with those few good players we have, they all bolted or graduated. The cupboard is bare, and I'm not talking negative. I'm just trying to curb expectations that when we get caught up in oh the brotherhood, ho chi you know when we start doing that we gotta we gotta calm down a little bit and say hey this is going to be a growing experience everybody let's grow with the brotherhood let's enjoy the games let's support the boys don't start booing them because they lost the first two games against Vanderbilt and well hopefully we don't lose to Western Kentucky. But you've got Vanderbilt. Uh, it is a home game. But you have yeah. Michigan on the road. You know, luckily you get to play uh, Duquesne and New Mexico State. Actually, Western Kentucky is going to be a tough game. That's a, that's a, that, The Hilltoppers pretty good football program last time I checked. Yeah, they've been good in the FCS level, not bad on the FBS level. That's not going to be a tip. I mean, because they're not a big name doesn't mean they're going to be a pushover. You're right about them. Oh, I didn't know they were FCS. Western they- Kentucky, really? What they won, Jim Harbaugh, John Harbaugh's father, the Jack, I guess, he coached up to some championships way back when, yes, at Western Kentucky. I, I agree with you totally on the defense. I think on offense, the cupboard's not there. And you had Dietrich Parsons, I was going to mention, at the running back coming up, D.R. Scott, maybe as backup. But on defense, yeah, you, you don't have that as much coming back, and the losses are big. That's the biggest question mark there. So I, I agree about the fans being patient. It's like every year, whenever we're ready to start a season, it's great that the fans are positive. But they're asking, hey, if we beat – I remember last year, if we beat UCLA, we'll be, we'll be, will we be ranked next week? No, they weren't going to be ranked if they beat UCLA. But th- people were thinking UCLA's down, and they were down going into last year, and we did not oh, play not, very competitive. Uh, UCLA was pretty sporty last year, at no. least to be the first half of their season. Going into last season, they were down. Last year, they actually had a good year and made a bowl game for the first time in right. a while. I'm not sure if they actually played it because of COVID. But people were so positive about the season. It's great to be positive, thinking all these new players sound great. But on defense, this is a big turnover. And when you have all those losses, I'm, I'm thankful Panay Pavihi is back. I think he could be the mainstay on this team. Uh, I, I, I've loved him since day one when he filled in for Jelani Tavai when he got hurt several years ago. But there's a lot of open spots, and I don't know what the strength of this defense will be. I think it will take time, and I think fans will need to be patient. I guess the goal is, I mean, I don't know what the priority goal is, but amongst the top three goals, you want to be competitive. You want to compete for a championship. You want to go to a bowl game. I don't know if they're going to go to a bowl game this year. I think, again, there's just too many unknowns. And it's almost like that every year when you have a new starters. But in this situation with the new coaches and everything, I think it's even more of a question mark. What I think is good with the brotherhood is that at least the, the team seems to be unified. 
they seem to be now where last year, little by little and a lot at the end of the season, we heard about some of the inner problems. And I'm still not sure how many of them are totally true, but enough of them were that it, it must have been really rough on these players last year. That was just an ugly season. And they were maybe fortunate to even get that sixth win. But it was, you know, starting over from scratch, basically, at least on defense, I think, is going to be a challenge this year. <laughs> yeah, and, it, it, uh, and but you know what? That's our team. And there, every year there seems to be a couple of new guys that we know nothing about. And you're like, whoa, where'd that guy come from? Guaranteed every single year. So yeah. that's what I'm looking forward to is discovering, uh, you know, a little bit in the uh, fall practice. And then after the first couple of games, like, whoa, thank goodness that guy transferred to Hawaii or, you know, who knew that that guy was going to be that great a receiver or whatever. Maybe this is a year Zion Bowens gets more than, uh, you know, two passes a game for 100 yards, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, he's the deep threat and he's the speed and everything else. But, you know, it's uh, some of these guys who are coming back, um, you know, maybe maybe this is the year for um these guys so anyway there will be somebody that emerges there will be a lot of transfers a lot of transfers coming back you know whether it's um oh gosh uh got his brother played for washington uh noah oh gosh anyway he came from usc or ucla or somewhere Ah, i can't remember his name oh boy it's too early in the morning 17 minutes after the hour here you can uh, call in at 808-296-1420. The Zephyr Insurance text line is open for you as well uh, at that same number. Conference, conference expansion and uh, the state of college football coming up next on ESPN Honolulu. Follow us on Twitter at Bobby Curran Show. This is ESPN Honolulu and the Sideline Hawaii. Get back into it. Sports Animals here on the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. And it was about a week ago where we heard the stunning news about USC, UCLA going to the Big Ten. We're going to get into some USC football as we are joined here on ESPN Honolulu with a USC beat writer for the LA Times. Back with us, Ryan Karchi. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. What was your initial reaction when you heard the news about USC and UCLA? You know, there have been smokes for a while uh, about the possibility that USC could consider other options. But, you know, as much as I'd even prepared myself for that news, uh, just mm -hmm. kind of that it was actually happening, certainly I, I had a similar reaction to everyone else, I would imagine. Uh, you know, I grew up in Big Ten country. I went to Michigan, grew up near Ann Arbor. So you know, I'm pretty well versed in the Big Ten. And I, I'm curious still, you know, almost a week later, like you said, just how that fit is going to work. And, I, you know, I, I guess it doesn't really matter as long as the money is right, ultimately. Was it based strictly on finances? And when you look at it, how much more can USC make by going to the Big Ten? Is it all about the TV contract? Uh, you know, you're going to hear that it's not all about the TV contract and the money, but of course it is. <laughs> you know, like most things in major college sports, money comes first. And, you know, I – it is significant, though. It's not. This is not a little bit more money. This is potentially double, or even more, what their payout is at the conference level for media rights. So, 
there's a lot you can do with that money, and you can you can see how the SEC and the Big Ten have started to pull away from other conferences in the first place, and that's because of money. They simply have uh, m- much more resources just to invest into the program, and that ultimately trickles down into recruiting and facilities and other stuff that ends up affecting the bottom line. And you know, I, there are other benefits to this. Uh, for one, you know, I think you know having more money allows you also to invest in other sports you know smaller revenue sports women's sports that sort of thing um but ultimately you know this is going to benefit football the most because football is the revenue driver for pretty much every other sport when you say that there's been talk about usc maybe moving recently when did ucla come into the picture is it something where usc presented their their case to ucla did it have to be a package deal you know, the exact specifics aren't entirely clear. Like with conference realignment in the past, you're always going to get different parties saying different things. So I think if you ask USC and UCLA, they'd probably give you different answers to that. Uh, but as far as we can tell, um, you know, that for USC at the very least, I know the, that once Texas and Oklahoma left for the SEC from the Big 12, that, you know, it really started to resonate with them just kind of the direction that everything is going. And, you know, I ultimately, I think, you know, USC kind of being the more legacy football product uh, and in maybe a better negotiating place or just simply had more leverage uh, coming into that, those talks, whether it be with the Big Ten or even with TV partners who may have played middleman roles in that change. Uh, I do think ultimately, you know, UCLA, I'm sure, was exploring similar things, and I, I think ultimately they come together over the course of those last couple of weeks and start to understand that you know it, it would be tough to leave your rival behind in that sense. And also, uh, you know, if you're especially trying to stick it to the rest of the Pac-12, namely uh, Oregon, I think that's uh, certainly the the way to hurt them the most. So I think that was a a tangential benefit probably that they didn't intend on initially. But, uh, but yeah, no, I I think it it certainly just worked out geographically. And I I think for both schools, it's ultimately the better choice to, you know, in terms of just an exploding media rights contract in in the big 10, which now that it will own the LA market, I'm sure will add a couple zeros maybe to that. Ryan Cart G from the LA times joining us this morning. What was the coach's reaction, like Lincoln Riley or Andy Enfield, the basketball coach? What did they say as far as hearing the news? You know, they're all saying the right things at this point. Obviously, this is a very political situation, so no one's going to come out and and say that they're upset by the decision. I think, you know, it is kind of interesting as it pertains to Lincoln Riley. There was some belief that he left Oklahoma in part because, you know, he he didn't necessarily want to come into the SEC as – number three or number four school. Uh, but now he does that with in the Big Ten. So, uh, you know, whether that was a, a, a real reason that played a part, I don't know if we'll ever know. But, you know, it is interesting. And I would love to be a fly on the wall when Lincoln Riley found out about that. Um, as it pertains to Andy Enfield, I think he's in a little bit more interesting of a situation just because the basketball travel will be significantly different from football. I mean, when you're talking about – a couple trips a year to the Midwest, not as big of a deal, but when you're talking about many, like would be the case for basketball, then those logistics start to be a little bit more concerning. And I know there has been some talk about some creative solutions to that. And 
I don't know that we'll know for sure how that's playing out until later, but it does seem like there's a possibility that, you know, there's a radical rethinking of how we schedule conference games. And perhaps USC, if they're on a basketball road trip, they end up staying, you know, in Chicago over the course of a week, as opposed to, you know, back-to-back road games traveling to and from, to and from. So there are some creative solutions to, to be made with that. What about the future of the Pac-12? What's the sense you get? We hear about maybe other schools leaving, maybe joining the Big 12. Oregon, Washington have been mentioned for the Big 12, the Big 10. What do you think the future is of the conference? Well, I reported uh, you know soon after the news came out that the Pac-12 wasn't considering – or sorry, the Big 10 wasn't considering – coaching any more Pac-12 schools at this time. And I think ultimately that has sort of bared out, uh, but it is a question what Oregon and Washington do. They are, are ultimately holding the Pac-12 in their hands at this moment. You know, without them, I would assume the conference would certainly fold. So, you know, the Pac-12 needs to cater to those two brands for sure, but there's not a lot of good options at this point. There aren't you know, obvious schools to add. If you're talking about a San Diego State or a Fresno State or a Boise State, you know, these are not top-tier academic or research universities, which the Pac-12 has often made a big stink about wanting. Um, and they're not necessarily top football properties either. So is there any benefit to just expanding with some leftover pieces, or do you have to go the whole way and merge with another conference? Now, I know there's been some talks about maybe a soft merge, it was the word, uh, with the ACC, you know, kind of a bi-coastal conference. But, you know, do any of these conferences want to merge after or want to have an alliance after the alliance, you know, fell apart spectacularly following this USC-UCLA situation? So, you know, we're very much in the early stages of realignment right now. And honestly, everyone seems to be watching Notre Dame they seem to be the next domino, and you know the Big Ten has been trying to convince Notre Dame to come over for many, many years, and it seems like those that conversation has picked up again. Why the rush? And we heard this, I believe, yesterday about the Pac-12 trying to work already on the next TV contract. I mean, I understand basically what that means, but why is that such a priority right now with a sense of urgency? Oh. Well, I think that's a matter of just trying to show Washington and Oregon, hey, here's the money that you're going to get. Uh, you don't have to leave for the Big 12. We already have this money locked in, and you know, it, if I'm Oregon in that situation, personally, my first ask would be for a larger portion of that pie than any other team in the Pac-12. Certainly, they have all of the leverage right now. Um, now, how loyal they want to act to George Klyavkov, the Pac-12 commissioner, still yet to be determined, but... At this point, I, they, I see no reason why they shouldn't push for everything that they want or just say, hey, we're going to pick up and, and go to the Big 12. So you see the Pac-12 trying to negotiate quickly for that reason. You need to show some kind of progress, especially if you're not going to merge with another conference. I think it would the Pac-12, at, at least at this point, has sort of indicated that they would like to stay intact as the Pac-12, how much longer they're able to do that. I don't know, but it certainly depends on how much money they're able to get in those negotiations, and that number has dropped precipitously since losing the L.A. market. Incredible news, and I guess it hasn't stopped. We're going to wait for the next domino to fall. Ryan, thanks for spending a few minutes with us talking USC football. I guess you get to go home to Michigan every now and then, uh, Big Ten country, as they will join in a few years. Thanks again. Yeah, anytime.
Thank you so much. Ryan Karchi from the L.A. Times talking USC football. And it was their, their move first before UCLA, as he said. And, again, we're still going through all the rumors out there. But USC and UCLA, we know, are moving. What, what are the what are the rumors out there? Well, the, one of them is I was going to ask him is that, you know, Baylor, Kansas State, we talked about it the other day, maybe being asked to join the uh, Pac-12 to keep them intact. The one about the ACC, as he discussed, with maybe them joining conferences and having a – by coastal conference, or another one is that, as he said, the Pac-12 might cease to, to exist, which is incredible. I mean, if the Big 12 takes some of the Pac-12 schools, maybe the Big 10 does take a couple. Uh, maybe a few schools will be left hanging, but there could maybe no longer be a Pac-12. I don't know what's going to happen three or four years from now, but we know it's not going to look the same as it looks today and certainly not the way it looks last week. All right. The uh, And really what he said is what I wanted to start with, is that it all – hinges on Notre Dame. We'll talk scenarios, at, uh, and then you can uh, text in if you'd like at 808-296-1420. You can call that number, too. Weather-wise today, going to be partly cloudy, although it looks beautiful here in the 96701. Winds are out of the east-northeast at 10 to 25 miles per hour. High, only about 82, so it's uh, gonna, not going to be that hot today. be a pretty nice day for you. We'll be back with that. And uh, check your surf, check your non-surf right now on ESPN Honolulu. The Bobby Curran Show is brought to you by PVT Land Company, supporting academics, athletics, and the community on the Waianae Coast. We'll have a traffic update in about eight minutes here on ESPN Honolulu. Good morning. Chris Hart and Gary Dickman here on the Bobby Curran show. And uh, there's, it's, you know, we were talking about conference realignment and uh, it is, this is right now. It's kind of quiet. It's all waiting on Notre Dame. That's really what, what the college football world is doing is waiting on Notre Dame. What's Notre Dame going to do? Are they going to stay independent? Now, Notre Dame, you say, oh, well, if they go to the big 10, they'll make so much more money. But you know what? They've had opportunities in the past to make more money, yet they stayed independent. I'm going to be disappointed if they stay independent because you know me, I like change. I want new stuff. So with Notre Dame, if Notre Dame joins the Big Ten, because what do we talk about? Rivalries. Oh, we need these rivalries. Well, you'll have your rivalry with Michigan. You'll have your rivalry with USC. I didn't know, but they consider it a rivalry, Notre Dame against Purdue. And then there's one other team I can't remember off the top of my head. But you'll have a perfect situation for those rivalries that college football fans want so much. Notre Dame would be perfect location-wise and everything by being in the Big Ten. They really would. It would be, and I think the difference might be from what I'm reading is that there's a lot more money than there were the other time they might have checked it out. Uh, again, if the Big Ten right now with the getting USC, UCLA, that market, and if they were to get a Notre Dame, imagine, I mean, there's no dollar amount listed right now. I'm sure there's speculation, but there'd be even more money for them. And with everything we know about college sports, if not pro sports as well, it all comes down to that. Nothing else matters. I, I was even thinking about this aspect. I mean, Notre Dame, it doesn't matter as much because they're independent. But the other schools, I mean, they're just leaving everybody else hanging. They're going to get their money, USC, UCLA, but everybody else might be really screwed. And as uh, Ryan Karchi said a few minutes ago, it might be a way to stick it to Oregon. 
I mean, which sounded interesting in a way that they would do that. For Notre Dame, they don't have that problem. But when there's that much more money, and according to Notre Dame beat writers, that would be the reason they could just get so much more. And TV-wise, they got their own deal, of course. But if they could get even more, why not? Right. Okay. And so you say to yourself, self, <laughs> why so much? Why the? Why this chase for all of this money? And Ryan mentioned it too. But the more money you have, the better facilities you have, the better recruiting job you can do. And now you also have to bring in the NILs. When some of these guys are making, what was that kid from Hawaii that just committed to uh, University of Miami? From Hawaii? Yeah. He had offers from Alabama. And, oh, the offensive and, lineman. Right. That's what I'm talking about. But okay. anyway, I mean, he, he chose Miami over Alabama, Hawaii, Tennessee, and a couple of other big-time schools. Yeah. And when you look at that, you go, you know, maybe he just, you know, liked the coaching staff. Who knows? But when you see decisions like that, you think maybe, oh, there's an NIL involved, right? Big you know, time. and it's, it's part of recruiting now is the NIL deal. There's good and bad with the NIL. I think the good outweighs the bad. But um, really, when it comes down to recruiting, that's what it is. And... The reason everyone's after making money isn't because anyone's lining their pockets with it or anything. You know, not like there are local politicians who are driving drunk and getting sentenced for bribing. It's like, you know, they just they just they just want to build a better university. Is that bad for college football? Is that good for college football? I don't know. I think it's bad. Now, again, it's great for those schools, and I can't blame them. If you have a chance to get more money, you're not going to be left hanging if you're USC and UCLA, as an example. Maybe because I'm a traditionalist and old school and old, <laughs> but what about the rest of the Pac-12? I mean, again, it's USC. It's not USC's concern what happens to those other schools. I realize that. But what does it do to the conference? So you asked the question, is it good for college football? To me, not at all. I, I think it's lousy for college football, actually. I mean, you, you lose all the tradition, all the rivalries, all these other schools – you know, joining in in everything that college football offers financially and otherwise. What's, I mean, if the Pac-12 is no longer the Pac-12 in three years, how is that good for college football on any level, in my opinion? I, I don't know. I mean, you know, as college football desperately tries to get young fans, maybe tradition isn't a big deal to your next set of fans coming up. Now, I don't talk about the SEC when I'm talking about that. I'm talking about everybody else. You're struggling to get people to be interested in your game. And attendance is dwindling all over the country. Now, before you text in and say, well, Tennessee has sold out 10 years in a row at 100,000 people. I get that. Overall, stadium, it's, they don't have the same interest as they used to. So that tells me that tradition isn't in that big a deal anymore. I still think it is, even with the attendance down, and you're obviously correct with that. I mean, I don't know how much that had to do with COVID for the last few years, and maybe there's just other ways of still being a fan. It, you might not be it, at the games, but you still could be viewing it, streaming, or whatever else it might be. Right. It could be. Could be. I mean, we know a lot of people uh, um, listen on the radio and watch it on television here. But is the passion there? If you're not at the game, I'm just throwing this out there. This is the question that's asked. How much passion do people have for college football? Well, you know what? I don't want to drive all the way to the stadium and sit in traffic. I'll watch it, I'll watch it on my phone. 
Okay, so really, there's probably about 10 other things you would probably rather do than attend a college football game. I mean, here in Hawaii, people used to go, we, we had Honolulu Stadium. There wasn't a lot to do. Video games had not been invented yet. Social media wasn't around. So people would park in neighborhoods around King Street and walk six blocks to a football game. We built a stadium with four parking spaces, and people still crammed that place for high school football. We're living in a different world now. So in that different world, how do you attract eyeballs? How do you attract passionate fans? That's what college football is desperately trying to find out, I think. You've got to think not today. You have to think in the future. You have to think 10 years from now. Are people going to be less interested, more interested? How do we make it more interesting? By making these players basically professionals? <laughs> I don't know if that helps or not. I, 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 I don't know. It could help. It couldn't help. Who knows? But if the, their college football players are out there be, looking like rock stars on social media, that will help college football. That's where NILs are a positive thing. I really think so. I think a couple of points on what you were saying. I'll not just use Maryland football as an example. I, I, I mean, I check a few schools that I follow their attendance, but Maryland football, they moved to the uh, Big Ten, you know, good seven, eight years ago, whatever it's been right now. Right. Their attendance is not the same because but they're going to be playing even Michigan State or, I mean, Michigan's an exception, I guess, but they're going to play Michigan State, Indiana, Iowa. It's not the same thing as playing Clemson, Wake Forest, Duke, all those schools that they played for 50, 60, You're talking about years. football? Uh, yeah, I'm talking about football first, yeah. People attend- would rather go see Wake Forest in Maryland than Wake Forest in Michigan State? Yeah, I think so, because wow. I think th- because of the rivalries. I, I, and There's the a rival? There. That's a rivalry? It's, Wake it's a Forest and Maryland football? It's been a conference rival forever. Uh, right, as an example. San Jose, San Jose State isn't our rival. But we still play San Jose State every year. But it's different in the ACC than the than the Mountain West would be. I, and I'm not saying that for every school, but I just know that I don't think the interest is there because I see them advertising. I mean, I get I follow them on social media, I guess, and I see them trying to get people to buy tickets for some of these games. Even basketball. Basketball sells out every conference game they used to. Not in the right. Big Ten, not quite the well, same. But Maryland hasn't been relevant in college basketball since Gary, what's his name, left. Well, they've been relevant. They were a Sweet Sixteen team four, year, four or five years ago. Even when they played okay. Hawaii, even when they played Hawaii. But you're right. You're basically right. right. They so haven't once. been the same. Right. Well, it's, it's not, more it's, than one. It's a, pro, it's a pro. But Gary, it's a program that oh, every five years it might be really good, and then you never hear from them again. It's University of Hawaii football, who hasn't won a championship since 2010, hasn't won a conference championship. Some years were good. Some years were down. Now, part of that is, you know, for whatever reason. But to get to being a top program consistently, like somebody like, oh, I don't know, like uh, San Diego State, Boise State up until last year, you know, to have, it's, it's, it's tough to do. It is. Okay. My next point, when you talk about TV, you're, you, I mean, the TV contracts keep increasing. So the networks, either they're happy with the ratings or they're just, I, I don't know what else it could be, but the TV contracts and the dollars are going up, and that's why schools are jumping. So I think that is an important factor in what they can draw TV-wise. It's competition. It's competition. There are so many channels out there vying for content. And remember, people are staying instead of going to games, Hey, you know what? I'll watch it on my 65, 75-inch TV in high def and get a better experience. 
So that's what they're they're battling. But the the reason they're paying so much money is because CBS wants these guys. But now NBC or ESP, ABC, Disney is jumping into it. And now you got Amazon jumping into the fray. You got the streaming services. YouTube is not going to be far behind because of all the money they have. The money that that YouTube has, which is owned by who owns YouTube? Is it Google or Amazon? I think it's anyway, Google. It's Google. Anyway, the money that those guys have is crazy, stupid money. I mean, if they wanted the football contracts, they'd get it. Now, what's hindering the ACC? We'll discuss coming up after this traffic report on ESPN Honolulu. You're listening to the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Text or call the show at 296 1420. Good morning. Sports animals in on the Bobby Curran show on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, lie, no lie, buy or sell, lie, boo lie. That's coming up on ESPN Honolulu. I wonder if the ACC and all of this uh, conference realignment, are they stuck? I don't know what the penalty is. Maybe you do, Gary. Uh, but if, if by leaving the ACC, but this is all revolved around television contracts. The ACC has uh, its their contract goes through 2036. I'm thinking, wow, that's a long contract. When the price of everything is going up, that you would make a contract that long. It's like if you're selling a piece, leasing a piece of land here in Hawaii and you give somebody, uh, oh, I don't know, a uh, uh, 100-year lease. 95 years from now, you're going to get the, 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 the value that, that you're going to get in return is so small. Why would you make a, I mean, maybe they got a lot. It looked, I don't know. I, I, I don't get it. I don't get making it that long, especially when all of these things are changing so much. So the ACC's television contract, I don't know exactly what it is, but I feel it would be dwarfed by what the Big Ten is going to negotiate for. I, I, you know, what the SEC is getting. I would think that maybe the ACC is a little bit stuck. I think they will be a little bit stuck. And, you know, when you, when you have the big, like even though Rutgers is not in New York City, but it's a New York market, so to speak, we know about what UCLA and SC are going to bring. You know, they mentioned the Pac-12, that last TV contract with the payout, they only got $19.2 million a school. A few years ago when they first signed that, or in the second or third year, they were getting like 28 to $30 million. It's incredible that it got lower as much as it did. The Big Ten will go up, and they've got the markets. What's the um, ACC's biggest market now? Clemson's the best team, but it's a very small market there, very small town. You probably have Miami and South Florida, which is not the same as even, you know, Alabama obviously is the brand besides the market there, but the ACC right. doesn't really have their grips on anything big, so I imagine the money not that great. But I don't think you look at what, where are they in? Who, are they in Blacksburg? Where are they? Where is a, what town is Clemson in? It's Clemson, South Carolina. That's the name okay. of the town. Right. But the entire state roots for Clemson. You know, it's not just that small town. The entire state is rooting for them. But it's not a big market right there. And you, and you have South Carolina no, the, there. No, I mean, the market I know they're is not the as good. state. What I'm getting at is the market is the state, okay. not okay. the city that they're in. 
not the college town. More pe- people in there's more people in Pennsylvania who root for Penn State than the people that live in Happy Valley. Sure. So sure. the market you got to throw markets out the door in that situation. It just I doesn't think seem like. Go ahead. I just said they don't. I don't think they have a footprint like other schools and other conferences. When you have a big market overall, you're right about the state, of course, I guess. But it's still, it's. I mean, how much is South Carolina compared to some other places around the country, like a Michigan or just with the, with the fanfare and everything behind football? Those places. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll be back on ESPN Honolulu. Now from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. It's Sports Animals sitting in here on ESPN Honolulu on International Kissing Day. It's going to be more clouds today, but breezy again. Winds out of the east-northeast at 10 to 25 miles per hour. They say, and I'm going to hold it to them, high today of about 82, making it nice and uh, nice and cool for everybody. All right, uh, Chet Holmgren is in the news for the uh, you know a great summer league um debut setting a record with six blocks in 24 minutes yeah if he goes against taco fall the entire season he'll put up similar numbers i mean that was a guy who was shooting over yesterday i don't put much into that it was a summer league game against guys that maybe half or more won't even be on an nba roster this season but i guess so far so good but it was incredible the the reaction that everybody was giving him yesterday uh, World Golf uh, has uh, canceled their events, uh, their PGA and LPG events, um, in a partnership with uh, China Golf, as um, COVID-19 restrictions in, I believe it was Thailand or Taipei. But uh, interesting how it's okay for the, uh, okay for uh, you know PGA players to play for China, but not for Saudi Arabia. Unfortunately, they got a big COVID deal there, so it's no surprise that they cancel these events. But I guess we're so used to them that we don't complain about that. But the Live Tour comes on, and every a lot of people in an uproar about it. But they should they shouldn't forget about China. But it's also incredible that the numbers are as high as they are there with COVID. Well, all right, let's uh, get into it. Tanner Hayworth, the Bobby Curran Show presents Buy or Sell. It's buy or sell today, so let's go ahead and jump straight into it. Like you mentioned just now, Chet Holmgren flashed in his NBA Summer League debut, having 23 points, shooting four from six from the three-point line, seven rebounds, and a Summer League record six blocks. And now a lot of people are criticizing his size or lack thereof, something a certain Greek freak heard for much of his young career. Buy or sell be patient. Chet Holmgren will be that guy for the Oklahoma City Thunder. I'll start. Okay. I, you know, I don't know if he's going to be that guy, but I wouldn't shut the guy down before his career even started. I mean, if you looked at Larry Bird's athleticism, you you might say, well, this guy's not an athlete. He's not going to make it in the NBA. Well, he's one of the best players of all time. I'd give the guy a chance instead of... Uh, Looking at what he looks like, by judging a book by its cover, I don't think you – it doesn't make sense to me. Let's all just enjoy it, enjoy the guy, and see what happens. I am half buying, half selling, because I don't know if he's going to be great. Yeah. I don't know if he's going to be great. I I don't think anyone can say whether he's going to be great. He had a great debut. Let's enjoy that. 
I'm going to sell. I don't think he'll be a flop. I know I've been taking shots of him. I just don't think he's going to be the superstar that some people are anticipating. I think he'll be a decent player in the NBA. Unless he really gets stronger, I don't think he'll ever be an all-star per se. And I, so I think I'll sell that, that he'll be that guy or that guy. Buy, 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 buy. or sell. Sell, sell, sell. Reportedly, the ACC and the Pac-12 are in talks with a loose partnership. <laughs> what that means, not so sure. But what it does sound like is that it's desperation time for the Pac-12. By yourself, the Power Five will shrink to the Big Three in the coming years. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sell that because I think it's gonna shrink to the Big Two. That's what it's going to be, leaving a lot of people behind. But um, you know, the, I mean, the Pac-12, you saw yesterday at this time, 24 hours ago, they're going to full press mode to get that television contract done because who knows, by the end of today, Oregon and Washington could be gone. So I don't know. I don't I, – big three, big two, I'm buying it. I'm going to buy. I think that could be a big three. It probably will be the way things are headed. I, I don't think there will be just the two, Big Ten and SEC, and I really hope there isn't. I don't know how it'll look with the other three conferences, how they'll merge, but somehow they'll have at least three Power Five conferences. So I'm buying. Buy, 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 buy. or sell. Sell, sell, sell. And then in an article from USA Today, defensive end and linebacker Micah Parsons has an opinion about him and Trayvon Diggs saying, I think Diggs and I can become Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, or even better if we learn together and stick together on that potential of that Parsons-Diggs duo. Buy or sell, Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs will be a more fearsome duo than Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey in the future. Oh, gosh. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to buy it, and it's just Aaron Donald is great. He's a Hall of Famer, but... I don't know. Michael Parsons is pretty, pretty special. Now, they play different positions, which makes it kind of a weird comparison, right? One's an interior defensive lineman. The other is a uh, the other is a linebacker. But I'm buying it. What the heck? I'm buying it for the key words in that question in the future. Five years from now, I think those guys could be better than than Aaron Donald and Ramsey, partly because Aaron Donald probably be out of football by then after his next Super Bowl win. I, I think Parsons is great. I don't know if you really, I don't really see the uh, the analogy of putting calling them a duo when it's a linebacker and a defensive back. But if you're comparing those two to the Rams two, I understand that. And I think he was just answering a question or a statement about Diggs not being that great. Diggs had a great year last year. I forget yeah. exactly how many interceptions. I believe he was near the top two or three in the league, and we know about what Micah Parsons did. So I'm buying in the future they will be better. Well, they'll be better at the same time at this in five years from now. But what I'm what, what I think the question was is all that Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey accomplish will be outdone when all is said and done by Parsons and uh, Diggs. That's what the question is. Are you buying that? Well, he asked about the futures. I'm buying the future. Overall, at the end of their careers, I'm not sure about that. But he said in the future, okay. will they be better? So I think right. in the That's... future, they will be. All right. All right. There you go. And that's today's buy or sell on ESPN Honolulu. Thank you, Tanner Hayworth. It's uh, eight minutes after 7 o'clock. Another traffic check and a special guest uh, talking 49ers football coming up momentarily.
one of the things, just getting back to conference realignment, that I don't like about this is when you're going to get these gigantic conferences and the Big Ten, we know what they're getting right now. Whether they get Notre Dame and another one or two, we'll see. If the rumors are true about any other kind of merger between the ACC, Big 12, and Pac-12, we're going to have another big conference. One of the things I hate about conference realignment is not so much the realignment, which I don't like either, is when you have so many teams in a conference, and I use the ACC, you can't play everybody. And we've known that for a long time where you're not playing every school in your conference, but now you're not going to be playing five, six, seven, eight schools. You'll play them once every five or six years. It's almost like why are they even in the conference? How do you build rivalries that way when you're only playing that you're probably going to play them more out of non-conference than you did in conference? And that's the thing I really hate the most or despise the most about these conferences just getting bigger and bigger. It's just that's why I think it's really bad for college football. I just don't like the fact that there's so many unbalanced schedules. And I remember when the Big Ten did it, and there would be there would be years where Ohio State didn't play Michigan, Michigan State, and Wisconsin. You might play two of those three, and vice versa. Now it's going to be even crazier. You might have your natural rivals. Ohio State will always play Michigan, but how often is Ohio State going to play USC? Once every four, five years? I mean, it might be a little less, might be a little more. But not having it consistent really bothers me, and that's what I really don't like and look forward to about conference realignment. It's just too many big, big conferences. Yeah, you know, we talk when you talk about oh, oh what's going to happen when UCLA has to fly to Rutgers to play. Well, you know what? The people making these decisions, they don't care about rivalries. They don't care about travel. They don't care about, you know, students missing school or anything. All they care about is money. This is the same argument that, um, you know, you're seeing with the Live Golf Tour. When, uh, who was it, somebody came out yesterday and actually said, yeah, I'm here because mo- this, this is my last chance. I, I'm, I'm going for the payout. A golfer actually admitted that yesterday, and they were celebrating it on the Golf Channel. With, the, with this um, conference realignment, why don't they say what it is? Why don't they say what they're doing? Why don't the president say, yeah, the only reason we're doing this is not out of concern for the, the student-athlete. You, you notice during this whole conference realignment talk in the last, I guess it started on Friday, we've never heard the term student-athlete mentioned in, in any article from CBS or ESPN or anywhere. The student-athlete is totally out of this. The student-athlete doesn't come into the decision-making process. It's just about the money. And if we're going to complain about this guy going for a money grab and that guy going for a money grab, let's complain about the colleges going for a money grab because they don't care. Interesting. I do agree because of how many years have we heard the argument about an expanded playoff? Well, the kids will miss too much class time, even though it's during winter break. But for traveling from, again, New Jersey to L.A. for a baseball or basketball game, you know you're going to miss class time. Football, you might miss an extra day because of that. So I agree they don't care, but they say they care for the expanded football playoff. That is too yeah. big of a no, factor. No, they used to say they care. They don't say they care or don't care about it. They say they don't, it doesn't come into it. They don't. They aren't talking about that anymore. You're getting. You, this is a situation where you're getting. Uh, um, the Big Twelve hired a. Let's see. The Big Twelve chose this guy named Brett Yormark uh, to be their commissioner, and he was the uh, COO of Jay Z's Rock Nation. Before that, uh, let's see. It was. He was basically an entertainment guy. So he comes with an entertainment background, 
which is what you need as a commissioner because you're going to find new ways to make money and make your conference sexy, entertaining, uh, things like that. That's the direction that this is going. It's not about anything but making more money than the guy before you, I guess. It, I don't know where I'm going. I'm basically saying this is all about money, and that's that's the whole situation. So, so I, I, how do you feel about all this realignment? You think it's good for college football, though? I don't know. I don't know. I don't. What makes college football good? Tell me that. I, again, I, to me, it's tradition. It's rivalry. Okay. It's the consistency. It's the fact that you're having. I mean, how is it going to look when USC? When you're going to determine a Big Ten champion in football in three years from now, mm-hmm. Ohio State and USC. Let's just use two, those two as an example near the top of the conference. Mm-hmm. But they didn't play the same amount of teams. What if USC had much easier schedule? Well, they'll play and the same amount happen. of teams. They'll play the same amount no, of teams. The, same, the quality teams. Again, in other words, USC might not play Wisconsin and Michigan State and Iowa or Penn State, while right. Ohio State might. It's just gonna. It's, it's not going to create a true champion. That's one of the things I don't like. I, I mean, I'm used to well, the fact that you don't play everybody. Maybe two teams you don't play every year. Now it's going to be half the teams you don't play every year, and it's going to okay. have to rotate. There's going to be years you don't play better teams and other teams will get further because they had an easier schedule right but that's but that's the direction it's going in i don't think the the people the the people making these decisions don't care they don't care about your tradition they don't care that they're not going to play enough teams they want the most money possible so that being said that's what you have is college football to me i like watching a good football game if usc is you know it's like oh you know they're going to have a championship game maybe they have a a semifinal championship game, conference game. Who knows? But the the whole thing with that is that it's going to change no matter what, but does that make it bad? Now, to old people, old people hate it. There's no tradition. Michigan's not playing Ohio State or whatever. The future audiences, maybe they don't care. But if they do care, then this is a huge mistake, and it will hurt college football. It's yet to be found out if that's a big deal to people under the age of 60. Patrick, thank you for calling in at 808-296-1420. You talk about these colleges making all this money, but all this money is necessary to fund the sports that don't make money. You know, men's mm-hmm. tennis and women's swimming, that doesn't make money. Right. And so if you... Look, Title IX gave great opportunity for women to compete in sports, and it's not done yet. Title IX has not been really reached. The goals of Title IX have not really been reached yet. So these big money grabs, some of that's going to be earmarked for football, but the girls' soccer team's going to get improvements. Coaches are going to get better pay. You're going to attract better facilities for all these other sports because, remember, these sports programs – don't have shareholders, and they don't pay out profits. Most of the money that they make, it goes back into other sports which aren't on TV unless you watch the Big Ten at you know, 10 o'clock uh-huh. at night. Uh-huh. So, so, yes, there is a money grab, but who's really going to benefit? Not just the football team, but there might be some NLI money for some other sports. And remember that the schools, these big schools, have the biggest sports programs of all the programs that have to be funded they're not free and these coaches don't work for nothing so you know the men's volleyball team and the women's volleyball team here may make money but they may not make money at um iowa 
so they have to be funded, too. I think Cal and Stanford are, are almost guaranteed to be in the Big Ten because they're academic AAU schools. I think they might bend the rule to make Oregon and Washington um, start working on their AAU credentials because the Big Ten is all AAU schools, correct? So I think you're going to see those six schools in from the West Coast in the Big Ten. Um, I think that you're going to see Arizona, Arizona State, um, Utah, a couple, and Colorado go into the Big 12 because it fits better and the school's academics aren't sufficient to get into the Big Ten. You're going to see a lot of conference realignment, but I think we lose a lot of this discussion on money, money, money and not realize that this money helps fund the diving team and the baseball team, which may not make money, and the softball team. All right, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Patrick, Patrick, right now the diving team at Ohio State is in no danger of losing their program. Coaches might make seven million dollars a year and now they're going to make ten million dollars a year so at michigan and ohio state and usc and some of these other places the money comes not only from television contracts but all over the place these guys are look at the look at the facilities when you watch softball in the sec today and where it was 10 years ago it's night and day they've already funded these programs and are just looking for places to spend money on now they'll have even more. That's where I'm getting at. I mean, I, I understand, and we all understand that it's for you know it's great because they can fund these other programs. But those programs are overfunded as it is. And what about the other conference, the conference school that the, the conference school that they're leaving behind? How is the diving program going to be at Stanford, Cal, Washington State when there's less TV money because all these schools are leaving? Um, that's that's kind of the dog eat dog world. Of, yeah. of college sports at this point. Remember, 1992, this all started. Remember, 1992, this all really got started when Penn State joined the Big Ten. Right. That was kind of the big domino that kind of started everything rolling. And ah. 30 years later, this is what we ended up with. Remember that? So wow. That was, I, I, I didn't, that I didn't was know that. Where, where was Penn State before? Like in the Big 12 or something? They were, they were independent. independent. Notre Dame and Penn State were independent. Ah. Right on. Hey, good call, Patrick. Thank Thanks, you Patrick. for listening. 19 minutes after the hour here on ESPN Honolulu. We'll get to your texts and stuff coming up, but Mark Adams joins us next. What are we talking, Gary? You know, he wrote a couple of articles recently, and he wanted to expand on Roger Craig, former 49er great, is not in the Hall of Fame, and there's a lot of former players saying why he should be in, some reasons why he might not be. We'll get the latest from Mark Adams. I'm amazed that he's not in after reading his resume. So we're going to get more on the 49ers great Roger Craig coming up. Uh, Check your traffic now on ESPN Honolulu. The Bobby Curran Show is brought to you by Dr. Charles Arakaki at Ohana Men's Clinic. Visit drcharlesarakaki.com. Gary Dickman with Chris Hart on this Wednesday morning on the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. We're going to talk some San Francisco 49ers football, and more specifically, the case for Roger Craig. Why isn't he in the Hall of Fame as we are joined here on ESPN Honolulu? He covers the San Francisco 49ers for 49ersWebZone.com. Mark Adams back with us. Mark, thanks for joining us. And I keep getting reminded about Roger Craig not being in the Hall of Fame. I know you had written two recent articles about that. What stands out to you the most as far as the reason for him not being in? 
Well, obviously, one of the biggest reasons is the fumble from the 1990 NFC Championship. The 49ers were leading the Giants, getting ready to close things out and head to the Super Bowl with a chance to three-peat, something no one still has done. And they're running out the clock, and, and Roger fumbled. Lawrence Taylor recovered. The Giants moved down the, the field, kicked a field goal. And that's that's one of the big reasons, but – it seems like the biggest reason is that he gets discredited for having played with Roger or with uh, Jerry Rice and Joe Montana and Steve Young, uh, but that's simply a, a terrible argument because it doesn't matter the system or who the players are. He still produced, and in fact, he produced before Jerry Rice was even in the NFL. Yeah, to be penalized like that in the fumble you're talking about, I didn't realize until reading your article that was his last play ever. Uh, an NFL game, which is incredible yeah. that he has to remember that. I know some of the players you mentioned in your articles mentioned maybe there's a possible East Coast bias, which we have heard a lot in college football. Do you think there's something such as that that exists in the NFL or more specifically with Roger Craig and the Niners? Yeah, ab- absolutely. In fact, I, I was able to speak to some of the former players, some of Roger's teammates, and had multiple teammates mention uh, an east coast bias and i mean you can look at some of the some of the statistics where he has just as much uh, receiving yards or rushing yards as other players that are already in the hall of fame in fact he has more uh, career receptions than john stallworth or lynn swan those two guys were receivers and roger has more receptions than both of those guys so clearly that's, I mean, that would be the case. I mean, look at that Pittsburgh Steelers team that was known for defense, but they have, I believe, five offensive players in the Hall of Fame where the 49ers don't. They have, what, three, Montana, Rice, and Young, and, and that just seems kind of silly to me. If you're a 49ers fan, you want to check out Mark Adams on Twitter at 49ers Camelot as he joins us on ESPN Honolulu talking Niners football and the case for Roger Craig. It's also mentioned in your articles about the Bill Walsh factor. Uh, Some people believe if Bill Walsh were still alive, he'd be able to campaign enough and get Roger Craig in. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's, that's definitely the case because if you look at the fact that there are some coaches that are still alive, who have gone to bat for some of their former players, and Walsh, having passed away for quite uh, quite some time, hasn't been able to do that. Now, he did make statements before he passed away that Roger Craig definitely should be in, but he's not able to do that today uh, because now Roger Craig's no longer eligible for the Hall of Fame, uh, just the, the general vote, but now he's in the seniors, uh, the seniors vote, but... Uh, but I, I think that that would definitely help. Has he ever gotten close? I mean, what is the closest he's ever gotten, if you do remember? I, I don't recall. He's been a finalist for the seniors. Uh, Matt Mayoko, who covers the 49ers for NBC uh, Bay Area, he he believes that that within the next couple of years that, that there's a good chance that, that Craig could be inducted. But I'm not really sure how close he's actually come. Were you able to talk to any of the voters as far as why specifically they didn't vote for Roger Craig? No, I I did send the article to all of the senior voters. Um, None of them 
responded as far as explaining anything. I did have a couple of them reach out and, and thank me for sending the article in. But Matt Mayoko is actually one of the voters for uh, the, the regular Hall of Fame, and he he said that he just thinks that the, that the fumble is a big issue. He thinks that the that Roger doesn't have the notoriety, possibly because he was a West Coast player, and so those are those are big things that his numbers just don't stand out the way that some because Roger did the thousand thousand right. That's only happened twice since then, and Marshall Falk was one of them, and Marshall Falk obviously is in the Hall of Fame. So I think that Roger Craig just didn't get the notoriety that he deserved. You would think his numbers do stand out enough with what you just mentioned, the only all-decade running back over 30 years to not be elected. There's so many more things he's accomplished. I mean, four-time Pro Bowl, first-team All-Pro, second-team All-Pro, only once each. I guess that's not as outstanding, but in your mind, Mark, is he the best never to make it in the hall, whether it's from a 49ers perspective, just with 49er greats, or overall in the NFL? Gosh, I, I can't think of someone who's not in that's more deserving. I mean, he made the, he's the only running back to ever make the Pro Bowl as a halfback and as a fullback. That's, that's pretty impressive. And all of his teammates that I talked to said he's the most unselfish guy that, that they've ever been around. I mean, even – even the workout, remember the, the famous workout that Jerry Rice did where he ran the, the big hill? That was Roger Craig started that, but Jerry Rice is the one who's known for that. And so he just hasn't received uh, the credit or the notoriety that, that he should get, even though he was the first player ever to score three touchdowns in one Super Bowl. Mark Adams, who covers the San Francisco 49ers for 49erswebzone.com, joining us here on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Has there been, I mean, it's not like you're campaigning, so to speak, but in a way you are with your article listing everything on why he should be in. Has anybody else done anything similar over the years for Roger Craig? Yeah, there have been some others there. Uh, in the second story that I wrote, there was a lady who was uh, a friend of Roger Craig's from years ago, Who's been who's been doing this all all for for many years on her own, and it's really impressive some of the things that she's been able to do because she doesn't have a, a thing like 49ers Web Zone to to get her foot in the door. She's just a fan of Roger Craig. She's not even a fan of the 49ers, and uh, she reached out to me and she was really helpful in some of the things. She got a statement from Harry Carson, um, which which was a, a great statement. Mike Singletary reached out once uh, once I was able to get uh, in touch with him. And, but sh she was real helpful. There's also a, a lady who works for Eddie DeBartolo who's done a lot of work. So I'm not the only one who's done it. And, of course, in the article that, that you're talking about, Larry Kruger, who used to be with KNBR Radio, he was the one that put the argument together. And I, I just happened to hear it while I was listening to a 49ers pregame show and was blown away, and I reached out to him and said, hey, I, I want to write a story on this. And he said, okay, if you're going to write a story, then you need to get some statements from guys like Rice and Montana and Young, and that's going to help carry this. Larry Kruger, frequent guest on our show as well. Well, shame that he hasn't gotten in yet. Maybe he'll get in the other way, but still something that is wrong in the NFL for Roger Craig. Mark, thanks for talking with us for a few minutes about Roger uh, Craig's quest, and uh, we'll talk 49ers football as camp will be opening up in a few weeks, I'm sure, in the near future. All right, my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
All right, thank you, Mark. That is Mark Adams for 49ers Web Zone. And check out the articles if you're a Niners fan. Everything they list about Roger Craig's accomplishments, uh, I mean, you would think he'd be a no-brainer to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I mean, it shouldn't be held against him that he played with Montana and Rice, but apparently it has with some voters. And hearing the East Coast bias suggestion is incredible on the NFL level. More football talk when we East Coast bias? That's that's what it was mentioned in the article as we talked about with Mark. Right. That some of the look players at, look, still... at, look at look at the makeup of the NFL though. Most of the teams are from the south or the east. There's only a handful of teams that are on the west coast. But when you hear uh, it in college football, because and, the games, okay, and look so... at look at where the quarterbacks in the Hall of Fame are. You get the same thing. Nobody's complaining about it. I agree. Roger Craig should be in the NFL. What I'm getting at is whether you look at a list of defensive tackles, running backs, quarterbacks, whatever. More of them are from the east. And you have to remember, when, as a young NFL, when you're voting on guys like John Henry Johnson or somebody like that, there weren't a lot. There weren't any teams in the West Coast, so that's why there's more East Coasters or Southerners in the Hall of Fame today. When you go back to the '90s, when Roger, or late '80s, I guess, when Roger Craig was doing what he was doing, I mean, I, I don't think there should have been an East Coast bias then. The games weren't on too late, like they might be in college football, and you hear about that for Saturday night game. I can't imagine with his credentials that he's been left out. Again, the fumble, shouldn't be, one play is held against him, and no, it's mentioned by stupid. several people in the article that they feel that way. Then they, then Eli Manning does not get into the Hall of Fame. Because we only had two good games, according to you? No, I'm not saying you had two good seasons. Okay. He had way more bad seasons than good seasons. Well, I, I know where you are on that. I mean, yes. I think the Super Bowl MVPs get him in, but I know what you mean by that. Yeah. Uh, okay. It's uh, Anyway, that was uh, very interesting. Folks, check it out, 49ers Web Zone. Dot com. Uh, coming up, we got uh, let's see, we got a surf report, and we'll go to your texts and calls at 808-296-1420. The Zephyr Insurance text line is open. We'll be right back on ESPN Honolulu. This is the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu and the Sideline Hawaii app. Can somebody tell me why Bob Waterfield is in the Hall of Fame? Can you tell me that, Gary? I cannot. Obviously, he got voted in, but I do not know. I do not know a lot about his credential. That might even be before my time. Do you know what position Bob Waterfield plays? Uh, I'm assuming quarterback. <laughs> yes. What year All did right. he play? Do you know? Oh, I just erased it. Okay. I don't know. Right. Uh, they're only black and white photos, so I, I thought you would have remembered him. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to 808-296-1420, the Zephyr Insurance Hotline. Um, da, 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 da. Okay, let's see. Okay, we'll start from the beginning. Uh, talking about college uh, football conference realignment. And uh, Dexter says, I wonder what Kurt Favela thinks about this realignment. Oh, that's from uh, Eddie. Thank you, Eddie. Kurt Favela says, hey, we don't need no cheerleader. <laughs> what do you Missed say? That. Hey where, where, hey, where are you guys? You get COVID. How come you never show up? Hey, Oregon, Washington, what happened? You guys get COVID. Right, thank you very much. <laughs> at least at least Kurt Favela is not being pulled over on the side of the road in Eva Beach for drunk driving. Huh? Right? <laughs> hey, you, yeah. you can not you can knock the guy all you want, but it's the guy's not out there breaking the law. 
at least, right? He's not yeah, true. joining the other cat that's going to prison for 40 months for bribery. Right. Gosh. Anyway, all he needs is, I, I, hey, hey, you know, Kurt, I know you don't even know Chialita on the radio, but hey, <laughs> come on. What happened with the Red Hill over there? Jeff, thank you for texting in. Uh, they say the new stadium will be built. How do the governor candidates feel about it? Uh, I don't know. I would imagine they're happy that it's getting built. Uh, somebody had written, and I'm not sure if you were aware that, that I think it was Josh Green only wanted the housing, not really the stadium. Is that accurate? Have you heard that? No, I don't know. No. Uh, Kaikaheli, excuse me. Kaikaheli, excuse me. He only wanted the housing, not a stadium built. Um, that's. I understand that you'd want the housing and everything else around it, but isn't the stadium the main reason you'd want everything else as well? I don't know. When people are moving in, away from Hawaii in droves or m- crowding their parents' house because they can't afford $1.2 million for a home, I think housing is pretty important too. I think there's plenty of places to build it. You don't need to build it right there. Mm. But I don't know. I don't, I don't want to comment on what Kai Kahele said because I di- I, I'd have to look at it myself and, and make sure that that's an accurate statement. Not that you're inaccurate. Okay, I'm just okay. saying I want to read it myself. Okay. Makes sense. Uh, but somebody look that up and, and show it to me, and I'll uh, give you an opinion on it. <laughs> oh, we can't wait till we get Chris's opinion on it. I know that, I know what that sounds like. Let's see. Okay, back to the, the Zephyr Insurance text line at 808-296-1420. Would we be upset if UH was included in the Big Ten expansion? I would like to know how much UH fans – would pay to go to a UH game to see their facilities, resources improved to be better positioned to stay in a relevant conference and how much the state is willing to pay. That's a lot. Okay. So what I guess we're getting at is are you willing to, if you want the program to advance, are you willing to go to games? In the Big Ten, I mean, think about the travel. L.A. would be the closest site. And after that, you've got a pretty long flight, which is pretty expensive. Right. It doesn't make any sense. That doesn't yeah, make any yeah. sense. What I'm getting at is what do you think about the other things the texter says? But I, I don't think it's even a possibility, first of all, of Hawaii doing that. We're not going to compete with those kind of schools with facilities. I don't think we'll ever get up there, and I don't think it's necessary to spend what the money. What getting at is can we get more than a 9,000-seat stadium? I well, that I think we should at. get. But, I mean, I don't think we're going to compete with those kind of schools. I think a better angle would have been maybe the Pac-12, but even that I don't think is going to happen. We Well, right now we're having a hard time competing with Mountain West Conference schools. Yeah. Right? Right. I mean, UNLV is playing, you know, it's not their stadium, but they do own a locker room inside. Is it Reliance Stadium? I mean, they have their Allegiant. own locker room. That's their that's their home base. But uh, Colorado State is wonderful. Um, you know, I guess San Jose State, I guess they could still use some help, right, with their facilities. And when you mentioned Colorado. But it's not all facilities, though. Think about it. I mean, at this level, at, at, at the at the group of five level, it's not all about facilities. Because people are going to San Jose State. Their facilities are crap. They're going to Colorado. They're not going to Colorado State, and their facilities are great. Well, it was mentioned on Twitter by several people that the receiver from St. Louis—I forget his name right now—verbally committed to UH. He flipped and went to Colorado State. Supposedly, he went on a recruiting trip and was blown away by their facilities. Yeah, but they're not. What I'm getting at is the 
their facilities don't equal the great recruits that they hope they got. Now, maybe it will in the future, but Colorado State's not a very good football program right now. Okay. Okay. Uh, Keone says, hey, I totally agree with Gary on conference realignment. So Keone's talking about tradition and all of that stuff that you were talking about. Uh, got another texter from the 781. Roger Craig was a very good, versatile runner-receiver, just like Chuck Foreman. Yeah, Chuck Foreman was like one of the first, you know, Fran Tarkenton dumping off to Chuck Foreman. Number 44, Chuck Foreman. Is he in the Hall of Fame? If Ch- Chuck Foreman belongs in the Hall of Fame. Not over Roger Craig, though, is should he? Uh, I don't know. I'm not talking about over, under, or anything else. I'm just saying that Chuck Foreman should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, let's see. Somebody says, uh, he goes on to say, Marshall Falk shouldn't be in the hall either. you got to break a lot of tackles to be a Hall of Fame. Barry Sanders is an exception. Did Marshall Falk not break a lot of tackles, I guess? I remember interviewing him at the Pro Bowl block party years ago, and I asked him when he played Hawaii and he got tackled, and he stopped me in mid-sense. I never got tackled once by anybody at Aloha Stadium by Hawaii. He was just joking. But I never knew that perception that he was avoiding tackles his whole career or even nothing. He's he's an easy Hall of Fame selection. Well, he says you have to break a lot of tackles. But I, I, rem- I mean, I, Marshall, you don't get all those yards without breaking tackles. I mean, he puts incredible numbers, especially against Hawaii. <laughs> no, but, he said, but the beating Hawaii, putting up 400 yards and rushing in two games against Hawaii doesn't put you in the Hall of Fame. No, no, no. Right. But he did all that right. his whole career, it seemed. Yeah, seems like it. But, I mean, he was part of that, you know, wide-open offense. Marshall Falk was, a, you know, again, one of those receiving running backs. These guys, Chuck Foreman, Roger Craig, Roger Falk, and it's, is it them or it's the scheme they were in? The scheme they were in or the position, you know, with, with Chuck Foreman, you know, I mean, that was, that was Fran Tarkenton. He's going out calling his own plays. He's scrambling around, trying to pad his stats. You know, I've never been a big Fran Tarkenton fan because of it. But that's that's on the quarterback, you know, back in the 70s. With Bill Walsh, you had your system. That was your West Coast offense. That's what made Roger Craig so great at being a pass-catching running back. With Marshall Falk, it was the greatest show on turf, right? It was, you know, the whole thing of just throwing the ball, throwing the ball, throwing the ball. Everyone's going deep to cover Isaac Holt and Tory Tory Holt and Isaac Bruce. You know, you got Marshall Falk underneath. That scheme really helped Marshall Falk uh, a lot. Still, I mean, he was that great, I think, but they definitely sure. used him to the best of his ability, sure. Yeah. It's a quarter to eight with the sports animals on ESPN Honolulu. We are celebrating, and I hope you will too, National Fried Chicken Day today. <laughs> there you go. You want to chew who about something? It was invented by the Scottish. Now, people in the south here perfected it. And it's, uh, I guess it says, uh, let's see. And just because the bucket says Kentucky on it doesn't mean that's the only kind out there. About every culture in the world has a version of fried chicken going back centuries. By the way, on average, every American eats about 97 and a half pounds of fried chicken a year. A year? Yeah. Do, do you, are you anywhere close to that? Well, look at me. <laughs> I didn't mean I love, it like that. I love me some fried chicken. <laughs> we'll check your shopping and be back on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. 
You're listening to The Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Text or call the show at 296-1420. All right, Tanner Hayworth, what is going on at Wimbledon? Not Wimbledon. Give us an update. We got a close one going on right now. So right now we got Fritz from the U.S. 11th ranked taking on Rafa Nadal right now. And right now Fritz does have the advantage in the deuce to see if he can go up 4-3 to three as this is in the final set of today's match for Woo! the quarterfinals. So Nadal, so Nadal might be upset here, but we don't know. There's still plenty of game to happen USA, at Wimbledon. USA! USA! <laughs> USA. Breaking news. Gary Dickman. Yes. Uh, Baker Mayfield is not going to Seattle, but he is going to Carolina. It was announced by multiple sources within the last few minutes for a conditional 2024 fifth round pick. Can you say goodbye, Sam Darnold? And I think it's a smart move for Carolina. They still have Darnold on their roster for now, not for long. Matt Corral got drafted. He'll be out for a while. But I'm glad for Baker Mayfield. I'm glad he's going to get a chance to start. I know I kind of said he has a chance to still stay with Cleveland. I don't know what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson, but I'm glad for Baker Mayfield that he's not left hanging. I think he's glad from his recent comments as well. He knew there was no way he was coming back and didn't want to come back to Cleveland. So now he gets a fresh start. Yeah, and they didn't want him back. They've they've moved on, you know, even though Deshaun Watson, and who knows when that decision is going to be made, but even without Deshaun Watson available, it was clear that Jacoby Brissett would be the starter in uh, in place of Deshaun Watson. So um, that's a situation that, that, that wouldn't have worked out. I'm surprised it took lo- this long. And for a guy who not that long ago was number one overall pick. Now, that being said, Sam Darnold was, you know, a top ten pick uh, in the draft by the Jets just a few years ago. But a guy that I don't know that he's washed up. I, I, don't, I, I don't know that. Is he where he should be as far as his skills as a, as a professional quarterback? No. He's been a little disappointing. Not as disappointing as somebody like Sam Darnold. But um, I'm surprised. It's not even a draft pick next year. It's two years from now. We'll give you a fifth pick. Are they sharing the salary or something? Yeah, they're going to split the finances. So I don't know exactly okay. if that's right down the middle or not. He was due to make, I think, 18.9, I believe, this year. So he'll get that money. And I mean, he had a good year two years ago when they went to the playoffs. One, I'm sorry, against Pittsburgh on the road. Last year he was injured a lot. They didn't look good when he was playing. But that whole team was Did, kind of right. was just so messed up with some of the and injuries. Was, Odell Beckham. He was playing injured. That's why. See, that's one of the reasons he looked so bad. But, I mean, here's a guy with arguably the best offensive line in the, uh, in the NFL. Definitely a top five offensive line in the NFL. You've got weapons coming out of your ears. You got an improving defense. Why he should have done better. He should have, uh, and I think maybe Cleveland might regret it because if Deshaun Watson doesn't play this year, I'm still not sold on Brissett being a starter and leading them to the playoffs. For right. Carolina, I think it's an upgrade. Sam Darnold was, I don't want to say he was good. He started off three and zero last year against the three worst teams in the league: Jets, Giants, and Jags. And then he did nothing at all after that. And they'll get Christian McCaffrey back healthy for now. I don't know how much better they'll be, but they're definitely going to be a little better, if not a lot, than they were with Darnold there. I would have traded Christian McCaffrey if I'm the the Carolina Panthers. I know he's a great player, 
You can't count on him. And think of the haul you could get in draft capital by trading Christian McCaffrey because he's just one guy. Yeah. But you might be able to, you know, trade him for a couple of starters, you know, or potential starters. Right. Now, looking at the uh, – let's see, I don't want to click on this. I want to look at the Carolina Panthers. So you have Baker Mayfield going to the Carolina Panthers, and I want to see what their schedule looks Oh, look at that. How about that? <laughs> Tanner was telling us during the breaks. Their first game for the Panthers is against the Browns. 7 a.m. on CBS. You know what's interesting about that? If I'm not mistaken, Sam Darnold's first game was against the Jets. It might have been week two, but he went up against them and beat them. I think it was week one last year. So maybe that's what Carolina's going to do every year, get a former quarterback for the team they play in week one and get at least one victory. You know, their schedule doesn't look all that – for being such a bad team, like you look at the Lions' schedule. they got a pretty easy schedule. Um, I heard him talking about it on the radio yesterday as, as I was driving around. But when you look at, I mean, a, a team as bad as the Carolina Panthers, they uh, they they play the Browns, and then they get a gift. They they well, they're going to play at the Giants. Then they got the Saints, Cardinals, 49ers, Rams, Tom Brady, and the Buccaneers. They get a little bit of a break with the Falcons. Then they got the Bengals, and then the Falcons again. Then the Ravens, the much improved Broncos. Seahawks, Steelers, Lions, Bucks, Saints. I mean, gosh, they'll be lucky to win three games. Well, they have those divisions automatically with the AFC West and North, and that is not easy at all. So it's not the schedule you should get from a last-place finish. (laughs) But, uh, well, let's see. You know, you got to root for Baker Mayfield. The good thing about Baker Mayfield is I hope that he continues to do television commercials because that's (laughs) that's one thing he's really good at. That's true. That's true. He is going to. I'm going to wish him well. I hope he has success. I mean, I know he was, you know, a little questionable with some of his attitude deals in the beginning, but still, I think he got a raw deal overall. Not so much by Cleveland, but a part of it by Cleveland and just the situation there and the injuries, of course. And if they didn't get Deshaun Watson, I wonder what they would have done, but it's a moot point. So I'm hoping he can do well in that with that team and that division. Mm, I, just looking at the weapons that he has, Deontay Foreman, um, you know, you got Deontay Foreman, Chubba Hubbard, the running backs, Christian McCaffrey, you meant coming back. Robbie Anderson from the yeah. Jets is on. The, so he's got a speedster there, uh, former University of Hawaii wide receiver, Keith Kirkwood on the team. DJ Moore, one of your top 15 receivers in the NFL. So as far as skills positions go, he definitely does have some talent on that team. Yeah, they should be a little bit better there. I'm not, I know they lost Luke Keekley a few years ago, so I'm not sure about their defense. But they, they were that bad last year. They were really bad. But I blame Sam Darnold for that. And we know Matt Rule's on the hot seat. I mean, everything we hear yeah. is that if they does not produce this year, he is definitely gone. Yeah. I mean, they've uh, looking at some of their uh, draft picks, Yeter Gross Matos, remember? Star defensive end at Penn State. What has he done? Maybe I, I don't know much about what he's done on the NFL level. Just because we don't see a whole lot of the uh, Carolina Panthers, really. Um, trying to look at any kind of star power. Uh, they got Shaq Thompson, a linebacker out of Washington. There just doesn't seem to be a lot of star power on this uh, Panthers football team. By the way, uh, you mentioned Luke Keekley. He's been gone for years now. He's been gone at least five years five out of the years? NFL, yeah. I thought it was like two or three. 
No, two Wait, or right. three, no. He's been gone longer okay. than that. Anyway, we've got, uh, let's see, we've got uh, traffic check coming up, I believe, and uh, more with the ESPN on ESPN Honolulu. <laughs> now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Once again, breaking news, uh, Baker Mayfield traded for a fifth round, 2024 fifth round pick to the Carolina Panthers. And uh, I should uh, I uh, should correct myself. Luke Keekley actually uh, retired three years ago. He uh, tried to be a scout, uh, but resigned last year from the Panthers as one of their scouts and was last seen in Buffalo, according to Wikipedia, seen in Buffalo, helping out Sean McDermott, uh, coach the linebackers, I guess. I uh, got a text on the Zephyr Insurance text line. Uh, there's a, a texter sent a link, and it's some audio, and it says, this is why Chris is not a Tarkenton fan, even though it was 20 years before Chris was born. Well, no, 1967. I was uh, three years old. So thank you very much. I'm not that young. I'm just immature. That's why people <laughs> are thrown off. Uh, next texter says, does Chris think Atlanta is a pushover with Mariota? Oh, don't try and trap me. Uh, I heard the words. I the heard text. the words. Atlanta is horrible. And that, that's why, I mean, hey, look, we're rooting for Marcus Mariota and Tua Tagovailoa with all our hearts, minds, and souls. But yeah, Atlanta, they, they're doing a horrible job over there. They're horrible at drafting. They're horrible about keeping free agents. Atlanta is a bad football team. If Marcus Mariota can get seven wins, I think that should be celebrated. Because if you go seven and ten, that'll be good for Atlanta, the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, I'm so, I'm hoping the best for those guys. You're selling you selling it? Is that what you were going to yeah, say? Yeah, I was going to say that. But you keep on putting down. No, you don't really put down to it, but you think it's a make it or break it year. I don't believe that at yeah. all. I think he should be around for a while. And it sounds like you don't really think Marcus has a chance to do that well. They're in an easy division, so to speak, though. And besides uh, Tampa, besides right. Tampa, who's good? Who's good? Yeah, right now in that division. None of the other three. Right. Let me look here. Besides the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, New Orleans Saints will see Carolina Panthers. No. Yeah. Okay. So what if they beat the Falcons and the Saints twice? Then who, what? who are you talking about? I'm talking about the Atlanta Falcons. Well, they can't beat Atlanta twice. They are Atlanta. I mean, uh, even though they beat the Saints, can they beat the Saints and uh, the other team that you said is bad yeah. twice? Somebody's going to win seven Panthers. or eight games because oh, could they play each other. So, I, I don't think they're going to be that much better either. I'm just joking about that right. part. And they've got, okay, so they've got the, uh, they got the Saints, they got the Rams, Seahawks, you know, who knows. The Seahawks' defense is improving, by the way. Uh, they got the Browns. Who knows what kind of shape the Browns are going to be in early October. Then you got the 49ers and Bengals, and you got the Chargers on your schedule. Actually, their schedule is—they've uh, got a pretty favorable schedule, and uh, they're gonna—this is their preseason schedule: Lions, Jets, and Jags. You'll be like, "Yeah, Mariota, choo!" Right? Yeah, that's their preseason schedule. But the, you know, they do have on their regular season schedule. They've got the Saints twice. They've got the Washington Commanders. The Bears, the Panthers twice, and the Seahawks. I think they can win seven games. 
and I think probably at least another team, if not two, probably have a very similar schedule because you're playing the same other division, uh, right. the AFC West and, and the AFC North, it looks like as well. What I wonder about is Robbie Anderson of Carolina with Baker Mayfield. What's going to happen when they first meet? Because back in April, Robbie Anderson was asked what he thought about Baker Mayfield potentially joining the team, and it's quoted, no, end quote. <laughs> and I, was, I just got a notification gonna, of that again. They're going to have a meeting, and he's going to say it was taken out of context, and <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> they'll love on each other in the in public, but they'll uh, they'll be enemies in the uh, in the locker room. There's a lot of people that are saying, and I don't know a lot. I've read that Marcus Mariota is just a placeholder for Desmond Ritter. You yeah, buy I've that? Seen that as well. I, I I can understand them saying that now, but then they didn't bring Marcus Mariota just to hold the spot open for a year or two. They're hoping to turn their team around because they did stink, as you said. They haven't really improved since the Super Bowl year. I think they're hopeful that Marcus Mariota can lead them to a playoff, but I'm sure they drafted Ritter thinking that he's going to be their long-term solution and their future. From what I've also read is that, I mean, even though Ritter's look really impressive, Marcus is definitely ahead of him, which he should be. Oh, yeah. That's not a surprise, I guess, but... I, I, I don't like that term for Marcus, but, I mean, I understand why some people might say that long term. The, uh, you know, on the good side, you know, you've got a couple of really diverse offensive weapons in Cordell Patterson. Remember, he used to be a wide receiver known for kickoff returns. They have him listed as a running back. The guy can, the guy can do it all. He's like uh, uh, San Debo, Francisco's. Debo, Debo Samuel. D, he's like a Debo Samuel, right? So he just re-signed. They got Calvin Ridley. I don't know how well. I haven't been following. He's been doing, but they got Calvin Ridley. And remember, Kyle Pitts, all-world tight end. Is Ridley out? Is he the one suspended for the year? I don't remember. Uh, I know one of their guys is out for the year, I think for the entire oh, year, Oh, Calvin right? Ridley is the guy that was gambling. Yeah, so he's out for the year, I believe. Right. Okay, so okay. So take that weapon off the uh, Well, Kyle Pitts is the real deal, sure. Oh, Kyle Pitts and Corderell uh, Patterson, very good. Defense is really horrible. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I want to look it up just for, for giggles and laughs. But, um, th- yeah, sorry. The defense is, you know, as you say, all junk. But I like their kicker. Young Ho Koo. Like the <laughs> kicker. Right. Oh, yeah, like the right, tight right. end. Like the running back. And love Marcus Mariota. You know what? All you can ask for is a chance. All you can ask for is a chance in the league. What you do with it, it's, you know, it's up to you. If we can get the Marcus Mariota we saw his was his rookie year or second year, and that's a guy that was loaded with confidence. It's a guy that was uh, he was on a trajectory up, and then something happened. Something happened with the decision making, and it was decision making and. Uh, injuries he's been injured a lot i'd like to get the old marcus back now marcus mariota can be a backup quarterback still for years in the nfl and still make you know whatever he was making as a backup in in uh, las vegas seven eight million dollars a year it's a pretty good living but we root for our guys we you know this is a quarterback this was our best hope coming out of college to have a star quarterback in the nfl from the state of hawaii and we, it, it, it kind of didn't work out that way. So he, I mean, he's won a playoff game. I think I'm not sure if it was one or two. I think they beat Kansas City, then lost to New England. You know what? I, I'm being honest when I say, without being biased at all, I think right now he'd be a better quarterback for my New York Jets than Zach Wilson. And I know Wilson is young. 
I just think Marcus, I mean, he's not as bad as some people make him out to be. He just needed another opportunity. Another guy I'm hoping really makes the most of it in Atlanta. Just a combination of things you mentioned in Tennessee just caused it to explode, unfortunately. With the injury, yeah. different coaches every year, you know, it's unfortunate. And that happens to others, but it didn't help him at all either. Yeah, and I think that it's just that, you know, I, I, I thought that John Gruden was on to something. When he, when he got him and paid him that amount of money because he, even though he wasn't the GM, he was really the GM, is you gave him that money because you wanted you wanted Marcus, you wanted him for his legs. You put him in like one or two plays a game. It didn't like really do anything. But if Marcus can go, you know, all out, ball in, I'm going to take some, I'm going to do some stuff that we did in Oregon that, um, you know, I'm going to do some stuff that we did in Oregon. You bring that Marcus Mariota back. Now, the problem is, you got an injury-prone quarterback, so you're going to have him run. I say, you know what, just go for broke, brah. Just totally go for broke and say, you know what, you might get injured, but we're going all out, 110%. Let's go. Let's play. Let's do the Marcus Mariota game here. I had forgotten until Tanner Texas, but Drake London they got in the draft out of USC. That's not a bad receiver to have as a rookie. We'll see. You know, we'll see. Uh, like any other rookie. Yeah. Yep. I mean, but- it's a the, yeah. I mean, he's a great possession type of a guy with great hands, so that might help you out. Um, you know, you talk about Marcus Mariota, and you talk, you mentioned Tua Tagovailoa and how it's a make or break. How I think it's a make or break year. You don't. If Tua Tagovailoa doesn't come out and improve for the Miami Dolphins, they're going to draft. They're going to look in the direction of drafting another quarterback or giving up ownership in the team to Tom Brady to come play for them. I mean, they're going to go in a different direction. They've made the investment into winning. Bobby Ross, is it Bobby Ross? No, Stephen Bobby Ross, Ross is the is owner. Like a, the Stephen coach Ross. of Georgia Tech. Yeah, Bobby Ross. Ross is the coach of the Chargers and Georgia Tech yeah, or something yeah. like that. Anyway, Stephen Ross wants to win a, a Super Bowl. He wants to win one now. It doesn't matter how he does it. I don't know that they're going to wait for Tua Tonga-Vailoa to develop. Although, his – okay, when you look at um, his average – pass his average completion was seven yards 7.1 yards it's one of the lowest in the nfl a bunch of short passes you see that's why no one's saying two is junk but they're saying you gotta do better than dink and dunk anybody can dink and dunk is that his fault no it's not his fault do you know why play calling no well, play call. Well, they're not calling for dink and dunks. Dink and dunks are the, your cutoff guys. You have guys running routes, but the problem is the offensive line for Miami. Tua has no choice but to throw it short, or he's going to get creamed. Do people say that still nowadays? Creamed? You're going to get <laughs> Some creamed. Do. Some do. <laughs> but right? that's that's totally fair. You're right about. They're going to knock his block off. <laughs> I haven't heard that one in a while. Right. I but, mean. Now, his he throwing the ball, I'm just looking at some stats here. Throwing the ball on deep passes, 20-plus yards, he has a 50% completion rate. Number one in the is, NFL. Yes, first in the NFL for throwing it under 20 yards. So that's what, you know, that's what he brings is he's, a, as a Bobby Curran says all the time, he has, a, he has a, you know, he throws a great long ball. So we have that. Overall... There's all these other kinds of stats, and it has him, and I'm going to read it word for word. I think I got this from the NFL Network. He's on a promising trajectory because of his overall 
minus 8.5 and minus 0.07 passing DVOA rate in his first two seasons. I don't know what I just said. (laughs) I don't know what I just said. But when you put these in a blender and mix it all up, Tua Tonga-Vailoa is slightly below Joe Burrow, Kyler Murray, and Andrew Luck from their recent season. Okay, well, look who you're talking about. A guy who just went to the Super Bowl in year two. Andrew Luck, we know what he did. And Kyler Murray, I mean, the jury might still be out, but we know what he is. Oh, shown. I don't know. Kyler Murray's a very good quarterback. Yeah, so you're comparing him with three really good quarterbacks to say he's not as yeah. good as them. That's fine. To me, the thing about no, two... No. I'm, I'm saying that he's right up there with those guys. Oh, okay. I thought you were putting him down for that, for not being No, up he's there. right up with their, those guys. He's accurate, the best 20 yards plus, best long ball passer. Um, you know, he has a great pass completion percentage because he throws the ball seven yards down the field. Now, you get him that offensive line, which you're working on. You get him a better defense, and b- b- good defense translates to good offense. So... By building him up, he should be on the level with, as your Justin Herbert and Joe Burrows and some of these other guys that are relative to his age. Okay, he so should talk- be. That's what they're looking for. That's what Stephen Ross is looking for. He's looking for a championship football team. Okay. Again, the Brady factor, if they can get Brady, there's probably 25 teams that would take Brady over their starting quarterback for next year to win a Super Bowl quicker than otherwise. So we understand that, that factor. But as far as drafting a C.J. Stroud, if you're Stephen Ross, the owner, and you want him to win a Super Bowl while you're alive, are you going to start off with another rookie quarterback and wait those three or four years for him to develop? Tua yeah. hasn't been that bad. I mean, a lot of the things you mentioned are really, really positive. This year we'll yeah. have to wait and see. But mm-hmm. what he did for two years with the injury, with COVID, I'm not trying to make excuses even though it sounds like it. Right. The change of coach of the injury in the hip and, the, and not having an OTA his first year, I thought he did pretty good overall. Well, and he also had a head coach that was kind of rooting against him. <clears throat> I don't, yeah, Brian, right. Brian Flores wasn't a big Tua fan. You know what? Yeah, it it's got to start with Tua Tonga-Vailoa staying healthy. Okay, if Tua sure Tonga-Vailoa not. gets hurt or he's missing a bunch of games, he has health problems, they're going to move on. Okay, let's say they go 9-8. No, whether and eight. they're right or not. Okay. Whether they're right or not, they're going to move on. I think it depends to the extent of that. But let's say they go 9-8, and 10-7, and seven, somewhere in there, which I think is, is, is probable, or possible at least. Let's say they go to the playoffs, get knocked out. So they're not a Super Bowl team yet, but they're also not a failure. With a new head coach in his first year, again, depending on what Tua does, I can see them being satisfied and moving ahead with him. Again, Brady's a different animal, and Brady's not long-term. But anybody, again, it makes sense with all the – the people on board, the uh, other owner with Stephen Ross is very close to Tom Brady. That's where the connection first started. But other than that, I, I just don't think it makes sense to build to rebuild. You know what? There's a lot of people saying the same thing as you, that it's make it or break it. I just don't think he's that bad. And a couple of weeks ago, I brought up other quarterbacks in their third and fourth year that are still on the team. Daniel Jones, is he in a make it or break it year? Well, he should have been two yes. or three years ago. Yeah, he yeah, is. Well, but we don't he hear. Is. He deserves they that. They, they didn't sign. His, they didn't pick up his fifth-year rookie option. So yeah. he is. It is make it or break it. He deserves that, and he's not even close to it. Jalen Hurts is getting ready for year three. Now he's a little bit different too, but we've heard good things about him. Not so great. Jalen Hurts has had he's had some success. They made the playoffs last year. They lost in the first round to Tampa last year, but at least they made the playoffs. But there have been other quarterbacks that maybe haven't done that much, and they've hung around more than three years. Tua, again, the, what he did last year coming back from the injury, leading them to, I think, six or seven wins down the stretch, I think he showed a lot. I think 
they're pretty happy with him. Again, rookie quarterback, I don't believe would be better, a wise choice, all things being equal. Tom Brady, though, makes sense again. But I, I, mm. I just, I really wonder how it'll play out. But I think right now he doesn't deserve that label. And he's talking about that. People are asking him, what do you think about these comments? And he mentions how he doesn't pay any attention to it, but he's got to be aware of it. And he yeah. mentioned that he wants Miami to be the most popular team, the Dolphins, in Miami like they used to be. Uh, I hope he can get him back there, even if it is takes there a more the popular Jets. Is there a more popular football team in Miami no, than the Dolphins? The pro teams in Miami, like the, like the oh. Heat, and he mentioned the hockey team, which actually is really good, too, the Panthers. I think he meant oh. mostly the Heat. Yeah, I don't know. Not the Marlins. They're, they're in the locker room going, David Woodley is not walking <laughs> through that door. You know, the Dolphins got a tough schedule. Besides playing the Jets twice and they get the Texans and the Lions, and I don't think the Lions are all that – I don't know. I think the Lions are going to improve. But besides those four teams, man, 49ers, Chargers, Bills, Patriots. It's, 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 it's an uphill battle. But you know what? Again, all our heart, all our mind, and all our soul rooting for Tua Tagovailoa and Marcus Mariota. Coming up on ESPN Honolulu, let's talk about the aforementioned Chet Holmgren. And the great performance he had. What does it mean? What doesn't it mean? With uh, Dan Favale from Bleacher Report. He joins us next on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. The Bobby Curran Show is brought to you by PVT Land Company. Supporting academics, athletics, and the community on the Waianae Coast. The NBA offseason continued. Summer League's underway. Vegas will get underway in a day or two. We saw Salt Lake City last night, which is where we'll start, as we are joined by our next guest. Covers the NBA for the Bleacher Report back on ESPN Honolulu, Dan Favalli. Dan, following you on Twitter at Dan Favalli, I see there were some comments about Chet Holmgren, a topic and a player we discussed earlier on the show. What do you make of his performance last night? Uh, I mean, it was just simply spectacular. That's not something, um, you know, the offense at Gonzaga wasn't run through him, and so to see him really handle the ball a bunch, hit some, um, you know, sort of fadeaways, that was uh, incredibly fun to see. And then also just his defensive presence, he, he set the record for blocks, but just where he was and the timing on it, this is, you know, this is summer league competition. He was going up against Taco Fall, but I think if you're the Thunder, you have to be feeling pretty good about who you selected at number two. And I know you had tweeted out much earlier, it's only Summer League, which you don't really like that response, or how many All-NBA teams is Chet making. See, I'm under the impression that I think he'll be good. I just don't know if he's going to be – somebody compared him to Giannis on draft night, and I don't see that. Unless he fills out, I think he'll be just another average center. Your thoughts on long-term projections for Chet Holmgren? Yeah, I'm really interested to see what he becomes on offense because I think, you know, he can still be this major shot-blocking presence, rim protector on the – the defensive end but on offense i do think he, he'll need to get stronger if you want him to attack with the ball in his hands um are we going to see him routinely hit these off the dribble jumpers versus nba level defenses and i honestly don't know and if he can you know you're probably looking at more of a miles turner type player on offense where he's just going to to spot up a bunch not even roll too hard to the basket but i do think that him being able to to showcase some of those ball skills in the summer league is um is at least encouraging for what his you know highest end outcome could be I know it's very early. We had the California Classic, which I've never heard of until last week, with some of the California team. Has anybody else impressed you early on in the summer? Um, I've not seen uh, too much summer league to this point, so I can't even I can't even speak to that uh, right now, unfortunately. 
Okay, well, let's talk about somebody I'm sure you know a lot about with uh, Kevin Durant. What is your your thoughts on where he might have? We've heard almost half the team in the league is a possibility for Durant. Yeah, I think it's pretty clear that he wants the Suns more than any other team, and I think that's sort of evidenced in the holdup with DeAndre Ayton's next contract and them probably trying to rally third and fourth teams to see if anyone wants Ayton who can send capital to, to Brooklyn. Um, that is probably where I expect him to end up at this point, but the four years left on, on his contract, all guaranteed with no opt-outs, uh, does make it intriguing to where I could see a team, whether it's the Raptors, maybe the Pelicans, rolling the dice or at least trying to get involved in the sense of we want to talk to Kevin Durant. Will they give us permission to speak with him so that we can try and sell him on, on our vision? What do you think about Brooklyn and how they should handle it? Because we keep hearing what Durant wants as far as Miami and Phoenix. We hear about Toronto with their offers. But if I'm Brooklyn, I mean, do I have to trade him, A, and do I have to accommodate him, B? Um, yeah, I, if you're Brooklyn, you do not have to accommodate him, and I wouldn't be thinking about it in those terms. I know people are worried about how that would impact perception around the league and relationships with future superstars. You have to do what's going to be best for your franchise moving forward. You went the superstar route. Uh, it didn't pan out. The Nets are surely to blame to some extent themselves. But you just have to get the best package for Kevin Durant that you can. And if that's coming from a team like the Pelicans and the Raptors and they're willing to roll the dice on him maybe not wanting to be there, you should absolutely go with that type of a deal over sending him to what right now publicly has only been a two-team list in Miami or Phoenix. And that's just, look, that's unrealistic if you're trying to get out of a team when you have four years left on your deal. And so something's going to have to to give. I think it helps that one of those two teams in Phoenix can maybe field the best offer. But like I said, if it's coming from somewhere that's not on his list and on the Nets, I would send him there anyway in that situation. You can check out Dan Favalli at the Bleacher Report as he joins us here on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. So let's say they trade Durant to whatever team it is. Let's just use Phoenix. They would maybe get a DeAndre Ayton, maybe Bridges back, another player or two. You don't have such a bad team, especially if you do keep Kyrie Irving, which is, I guess, the final question on Brooklyn. If they get a decent amount of players back for Durant, which they should, do they maybe keep Kyrie Irving and try to make a playoff run with that roster? I would be floored if they ended up keeping Kyrie Irving after trading Kevin Durant. I know they've been trying to send, it seems like, through the media messages that they're willing to keep both of them into next season, but the Kyrie situation is so far, far gone that if Kevin Durant isn't there um, and he's still on the Nets' payroll, I would imagine that he's probably just not even with the team at that point. Um, I do think, however, that the Nets, like you alluded to, are going to prioritize getting actual players, impact players, back in return because I don't think they want to make this sort of this wholesale rebuild, in part because they gave up so much of their future draft equity to Houston in the James Harden trade. Let's talk about the Golden State Warriors for a second. I mean, defending champs, we know what they accomplished, and we heard immediately after the finals that they wanted to keep all their potential free agents. But now they lost Otto Porter, Gary Payton II, even Anderson went to the Lakers. What are your thoughts on the bench players leaving Golden State? Yeah, I mean, it's a big deal, and those are, at least when you're looking at what the, what Gary Payton II and Otto Porter agreed to, those are contracts that the Warriors could have matched um, or, in uh, Gary Payton II's case, exceeded. Um, did those players want to leave? I know Otto Porter Jr. really wanted to be in Toronto. His, um, uh, I believe his spouse is from there. So there are factors that might have been beyond their control, but you lose two really mission-critical pieces to your championship run. And I think the Dante DiVincenzo signing was solid. A nice flyer there. And then Kavon Looney was their, probably their third best player in the final, so keeping him is huge. But when you look at the, 
the wing sort of combo forward depth on this team, you're now awfully dependent upon both Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody taking serious strides uh, in the second year of their career. And there's, there's definitely a level of risk there. What is the Lakers' next move? I mean, I know we hear they want Kyrie. There's kind of mixed messages there. Do they have any other plans for the offseason? Uh, you know, they used their best spending tool already on Lonnie Walker the fourth, which I like a little bit more than most, I think, just because I, I think there's some real shot creation and multi-level scoring there from him. But you look at this roster, and there's still not enough just players who profile as two-way players where they can play off the ball on offense and then really defend their butts off at the other end. Um, aside from Anthony Davis and LeBron James, like their two-way players are probably Juan Toscano Anderson, might be their third-best two-way player at this point, depending on how you feel about Talon Horton Tucker or, or Austin Reeves. And so those are holes that they're going to have to look to fill. I don't know if they're going to be able to hit on any more of the minimum signings. They can hope that they do. Uh, failing that, this is a team that you're going to have to watch on the trade market if they don't get Kyrie Irving, not just leading into the season, but um, up to the trade deadline, especially if Russell Westbrook is still on the roster. We heard about the big trade on Friday morning. I guess it was Rudy Gobert going to Minnesota for five players and draft picks. How much does that elevate Minnesota into the playoff picture for the upcoming season or two? I think it makes them a real force in the Western Conference. I, you know, The price they paid is not one that I would have um, given up when looking at sort of just the uncertainty how it could work um, leading into the playoffs. When you look at this as a regular season team, Rudy Gobert is basically a top ten defense unto himself. Um, the Timberwolves, if they get the, the requisite improvement from Anthony Edwards, if Carl Anthony Towns is still Carl Anthony Towns, if D'Angelo Russell plays like he did last season, they're going to have a chance at a top four seed. I don't know if this you know dual big model is going to work for them in the playoffs when teams will go after it um, on defense and, and they'll play smaller. And I don't know, know how you counter that right now if you're Minnesota, but I think this Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert pairing is, is built to anchor what could be a top four regular season team. The mystery is just what happens once you get to the playoffs. With the expectation that the Lakers and Clippers will be back in the playoff mix, who in the Western Conference would be out of the playoffs next year if they're in? Uh, well, I think Utah sends a pretty clear signal that they're not going to be as interested in getting back to the playoffs next season, so they're sort of a team. Um, what is interesting is when you start to look at, well, which team is going to try to get there that was there and maybe fall short. And right now, like, there's the Jared Jackson Jr. injury in Memphis. We have to see what happens with that. Um, but I'm almost looking at what's going on in Dallas. I know they still have Luka. They traded for Christian Wood, but you lost your second-best player in, in Jalen Brunson, and you're not just going to be able to replace that shot creation. And so I think it's probably between after Utah falling out, there's probably going to be at least one more team that drops, and I think you immediately gravitate towards it's either New Orleans, is it Dallas, or like I said, just the Jaron Jackson Jr. injury um, in Memphis, and how reliant they're going to be on some of their younger players when you know that they're going to rely on Zaire Williams a bunch after Kyle Anderson left. Um, those are teams that I would just keep an eye on. Still a lot of moves to be made. Summer League, as we mentioned, starting in Vegas, a lot going on in the NBA. Dan, thanks for talking with us again today. We always enjoy talking the NBA with you. Thanks so much. No problem. Thank you, as always, for having me. Take care. All right, thank you. That was with Dan Pavalli talking about the NBA. We'll see about the trades for Duran. It's still free agency out there. There's a number of names there. And, of course, the Summer League continues starting in Vegas this week and always a popular one. All right, we've got details on uh, earlier breaking news. If you're just tuning in, thank you for uh, doing so. But uh, breaking news, Baker Mayfield has been traded to the Carolina Panthers. We have details of the trade and more thoughts coming up on ESPN Honolulu. This is the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu and the Sideline Hawaii app. Whoa. 
you know, let me get to the uh, Cleveland Browns trade for the Carolina Panthers for uh, Baker Mayfield. So this is a great deal for the Carolina Panthers. They're, they, they get off by paying their starting, what will be their starting quarterback, Baker Mayfield, for one year, $4.85 million. Panthers will pay $10.5 million just to get rid of him. Now, we mentioned earlier it was for a fifth-round pick. It's actually a conditional pick, either a fourth or fifth-round pick in 2024. It'll depend entirely on playing time uh, in Carolina. So if he plays a certain amount of games, uh, it goes up to a, you know, it, it could be a fourth-round pick, fifth-round pick, whatever. So those are really the details. But what a score. What It tells me there wasn't a lot of demand, maybe. Or the fact that, I mean, you're paying $10 million to get rid of Baker Mayfield. That's how much you didn't want him. You gave him away. You paid him to leave. You paid the other team to take him. And I think also, coincidentally, or maybe not, yesterday we hear that Seattle was is not in the running for Baker Mayfield and, according to some sources, never was in the market for Baker Mayfield. So maybe that left Cleveland with only one other team, and maybe that's why they closed the deal so quickly after that the talk from Seattle yesterday. Yeah. When you look at um, look at the career of Baker Mayfield, you'll remember in 2018 he came out and, uh, you know, he's, he, he doesn't throw a lot. He throws a lot of incompletions. That's his problem. He's a 60, 59 to 62% completion passing guy. And, um, you know, he did well his first year. Cleveland was seven wins, eight losses, and a tie. That tie coming against the mighty, mighty Steelers. But he, he was voted second in offensive rookie of the year. Um, he's uh, If you look at his stats, it was, oh gosh, where is it? It was, I don't have it here. I, I lost it on my thing. I'm just checking out. Okay, here it, gosh, I just had it. I was reading it off to you guys. But anyway, I mean, he was. It was okay. His, it was probably his best year when you look at quarterback rating. Is his rookie year, but last year he was playing. He got injured in week two, playing with a torn labrum in his non-throwing shoulder. Instead of having surgery, he just played throughout the year, and he didn't play well. But in 2020, when he was healthy. I mean, he was a guy that was a uh, he was a pretty he was a pretty um, he was a pretty good quarterback. Yeah, his quarterback rating was good. I think it was twenty six touchdowns, eight interceptions, something like that. I mean, he was. If you get Baker Mayfield, the twenty twenty Baker Mayfield for four point eight five million dollars, I think you're in a good situation. John calling in at eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty. Thanks for listening. Hey, good morning. Just a couple things on this morning show. First of all, um, Holmgren, I don't know. I don't know what his his ceiling is, but I think that ceiling is high. I know a few. I didn't hear this morning show, but earlier, uh, a few weeks ago, I heard you guys talking comparing him to Bradley. I don't see that. This guy's a unicorn. Um, oh, I believe I, I. I'm with you. I'm with you. D- let yeah. it be said right here now that I did not re, re uh, compare him to Sean Bradley. That was my partner, the expert yeah, Gary but- Dickman. Wait a while and try see if YouTube. you agree. Try YouTube. YouTube, Holmgren going against Stephen Curry. And this is Holmgren at 16 years old. 
It's on YouTube. And tell me if you think Sean Bradley could do that. To, to well, and, I mean, I don't think he'll be as bad as Sean Bradley. I was mainly comparing the size, that they're both really tall and really, really thin and unable to have all the physicality of the um, NBA regular season. I mean, I think he'll be a decent player. I don't know if he'll ever be an all-star, and I'll say that. No, I, I, I want to see to make an all-star team once before I say he's good. Now, remember, John, this is coming from a guy who said that Anthony Davis wasn't a star. Oh, no, I said he wasn't elite. Don't give me that, Chris. I also told you about John Morant before anybody ever heard about him. YouTube that clip and tell me you can compare him to his athleticism to Sean Bradley. Um, as far as Tua is, you know, it's, it's, it shouldn't be a make-or-break year, but he's going to have to show. So Miami has all these, these draft picks coming up, two first-rounders this upcoming season. So they have this draft draft capital. And if and I think Tua is going to need to show that he can lead them deep into the playoffs. Doesn't he have to do it this year? But he has to show that he's that type of quarterback because they have this draft capital and they'll have the opportunity to take people um, high in, in, a, in a big quarterback draft year coming up. So I think he's going to do well, and, and um, I think they're going to – forced to keep him. I think he's going to show them that he's good enough. And with as far as um, what's his name coming in from Tampa, you know, he had, I, I don't see that happening because – not if Tua does well. Because you, you're, you're trading in a year or two for someone that can maybe – Oh, yeah. No, if he does – if, if, let me jump in. If he does well, then everything's fine. What I'm getting at yeah. is they went out the, – the, the owner wants to win now. And we went out and made all of these changes – to win now yeah. i don't think it's fair but i do think he's under the gun a little bit not as much as somebody like daniel jones in new york but he is under the gun a little bit and you know what the main yeah. thing i think john is the guy has gotta stay healthy that's priority yeah. number one exactly yeah and and um you know they have the o-line hopefully they can protect him this year like i mean last year's injury who wouldn't get hurt with that kind of hit that he took yeah i mean it's so yeah, it's unfortunate, but I, I think he's going to do well and represent Hawaii. You guys have a good day. Aloha. Thanks. Right on. Thanks, John. Thanks for listening. But, the, you know, you have to think about it this way. This is a guy, this is, the NFL is a results-driven league. Oh, stop with the cliches, Chris. I'm sorry. But it is. It, it, anyone would have gotten, hit, you know, hurt with that hit. And, and I, I get it. Results, results, results. That's all they want. Uh, Mike calling in now. Thank you, Mike. Hi. Hey, how you doing? Uh, Baker's uh, best year was his third third year when, when they beat the Steelers at Pittsburgh. <laughs> the playoffs. Playoff. <laughs> that was. Can you say that again? Uh, for, for everything. Yeah, they beat the Steelers. As a matter of fact, they beat them back to back. They beat them the last game of the regular season at Cleveland, and then they went to Pittsburgh and beat them. Wow, so that was uh, mighty, mighty. I thought they were. Well, we yeah, had so anyways, we had Mason uh, Mason Rudolph was our quarterback. No, Ben was your quarterback, buddy. Yeah, Ben was. <laughs> it was. It yeah. was. What happened yeah. when when when, when uh, Miles Garrett hit him in the head with a helmet? Uh yeah, that was that was a bunch of baloney. But anyway, <laughs> Baker. I, I mean, hey, listen, the Browns made a mistake. I mean, uh, you know, Mel Kiper every once in a while was right, and he was right on Josh Allen. He said they should have picked him, and mm. and that's what killing Tua more than anything is. He's between Joe Burrow and Herbert. Once, if Tua was picked the 32nd pick like Lamar Jackson was, nobody's bitching. But when you're picked the f fourth or fifth pick and you're in between two dudes that are lighting the league up, that, yeah. that's, what, that's what 
killing Portua. And I think, but I think he's going to do fine this year. To be honest with you, if he, they let him play like they did at Alabama, I mean, he's got to get the ball out quick, and he's got the playmakers. You got Tyree Killen, you got Waddle. Just throw them quick slants, and, and you're good to go. The other thing is, Gary, college football is over as we know it. It's going to be two <laughs> probably big right, and that's sad to hear. Um, two super conferences, and that's it. I was just on a college tour with my daughter. We went up to Michigan State, Ohio State, Oregon, and Oregon State. And I was talking to the guys at Oregon State. I feel for a team like that. I mean, it, the Pac-12 is basically decimated. Because you know uh, the Big 12, they're looking at the Scarf, uh, Oregon, and Washington. I mean, it's, 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 it's going to be, to me, it's a sad day. I, yeah. I'm with you, Gary. Don't send your daughter to Ohio State. Why would you want your daughter to go there? You know, she, you know who her favorite school. My favorite of all the four schools was Oregon uh-huh. State. Believe it or not, um, why is that? There's a local, local community there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the admissions officer was the same name as my daughter Zoe, and she's from Eva. <laughs> How cool! So how cool is that? You know, so, but anyways, that was my favorite. Her favorite was Michigan State. Wow. So did yeah, you say why Michigan State was? Why was Michigan State it her favorite? Is, it's an immaculate campus, believe it or not. Oh yeah, wow. Yeah, unbelievable. A little, little too big for my. And um, you know, I can't well, stand Magic Johnson, so well, I don't want to go there. Ohio State. No, Ohio State's big. Ohio State's bigger than all of those. Ohio State's huge. Yeah, it is. It's in the city, though. That's what I didn't like. It's right in the middle of the city. Hmm. Um, I, I mean, I mean, people from the inner city can just walk into that campus. Right on. Hey, so, we got to run, Mike. Thank you for thanks, calling. Mike. All right, and uh, here's and this is something Mike can agree on being a Cleveland Browns fan. Cleveland Browns have always had good to pretty good quarterbacks. If you look throughout their history, you'll remember being at an autogram game in 1948. <laughs> uh, let's see, you go to uh, autogram and a bunch of guys, but then you you know in the 70s, 70s you got Brian Sipe, Mike Phipps. Um, in the 80s, Bernie Kosar to the early 90s. Vinny Testaverde yeah. played a couple of years there. And then they moved to Baltimore. They were out of the league for three seasons, and then they came back. Ever since 1999, when the Browns came back, you went from Hall of Fame and Hall of Fame-type quarterbacks, and I just thought, well, I don't say Mike Phipps and Brian Seipler Hall of Fame-type quarterbacks, but they're good starting quarterbacks in the league. Watch a game on YouTube, you'll see. But then they go to, they come back to life, and you've got Tim Couch, uh, Kelly Holmcomb, Jeff Garcia on his way down, Trent Dilfer, Charlie Fry, Derek Anderson. Hey, look at that. Derek Anderson started two seasons in a row. Then Brady Quinn. That went horribly wrong. Colt McCoy is your starting quarterback. Brandon Whedon. Jason Campbell should have been better. Brian Hoyer, I guess, took a year off from the playing all those years <laughs> in the Patriots. Cody Kessler, Josh McCown, Deshaun Kaiser. I mean, look at the pain. The guys like Mike and his fellow Browns uh, fans have had from 1999 to 2017 then baker mayfield comes along almost wins offensive rookie of the year 
In 2019, not a great year. 2020, better. 2021, he's hurt. And you're complaining about Baker Mayfield? You should be complaining about Josh McCown, Brady Quinn, Derek Anderson, Charlie Fry, Kelly Holmcomb, Tim Couch, and Doug Peterson. And Johnny Manziel. Oh, I forgot about Johnny Manziel. Did Johnny Manziel, did he, how many games did he He started eight games in two years. That's why I overlooked Johnny Manziel. <laughs> I so. yeah. I Thank mean, you for Con- doing that. Austin Davis and Connor Shaw should be mentioned. Connor right? Shaw. You know, this, it, these guys have had horrible quarterbacks, and they're booing Baker Mayfield. I hope Baker Mayfield comes back, and I hope that uh, um, Deshaun Watson never plays a down. Or I hope Deshaun Watson plays a down, and uh, he's, uh, you know, he has a Tim Couch type of career from this. Wow, we're running late. Ten minutes in front of 9 o'clock. Be right back with your texts at 808-296-1420. This is ESPN Honolulu 1420 and 92.7 FM. You're listening to The Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Text or call the show at 296-1420. All righty then. Hey, got another fan out there. Join Mike. Jen says, go Browns. Thank you very much for the heart emojis. Really appreciate that. <laughs> Come on. I'm losing a little bit of the man card when you're heart emojiing the sports station. Chris Hart and Gary Dickman on the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, somebody else texted in. We're talking about Cleveland Browns fans. You've had for 20, over 20 years, you've had nothing but bad quarterbacks and bad draft choices and bad free agents playing quarterback. Now you complain about Somebody like Baker Mayfield, he's the best guy you've had since you, you came back to life. Somebody texted in here, says it's the same thing with some Miami fans with Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Tua Tonga-Vailoa is, you know what, 16 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. He started 12 games, played in 13 last year. It's not horrible, but he's just got, you know, 2,600 yards passing. That's not a lot in the nfl but you know what i think it's gonna get better uh jeff texted in and said remember when the whack had 20 teams gary do you remember when the whack had 20 teams no i i don't they had 20 teams i don't remember oh yeah uh, they had they i thought it was 16 but it was uh, he says 20 teams i remember 16 I they had the has. quads I don't, I don't remember arizona arizona state i know they were in there but that was a little before the my whack time, I guess. the whack yeah arizona arizona state were in the whack yeah, that well, that was that was a hundred years ago. I don't know if they had they, twenty they, teams. It was, they no, not then. That was that was too long ago. Okay. This is like I don't know when Hawaii was in the whack. I want to say there was sixteen teams, but uh, Jeff says there's twenty. But there was a time, and you were a sports talk radio host when it was going on too. <laughs> it, I thought they had those. Four you don't remember quads. that. I remember when they were in. I could have sworn they had four quads, four teams in each quad, and they had the schedule based on that. I don't remember 20, though. I think, you know, it's a Cowboys fan, so you got to, you know, uh, deal with Jeff that way. I thought it was 16 like you did, though. Uh, all right. How much time do we have, Tanner? I'm sorry. Oh, we'll see you tomorrow, <laughs> 6 o'clock. Today at 12 noon, let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy. Josh Pacheco at 3. See you later.